Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that believes Home Depot stores need to begin selling a 12-foot-tall Statue of Liberty figure to help properly celebrate Halloween and the season of evil. And of course, you can reuse it again at New Year's Eve, too. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vape Maniac, on the internet, and I'm excited to be bringing you episode 55 of Extraplasm. This week, we're talking with artist and Ghostbusters superfan Richie Crypt from all the way across the sea in the United Kingdom. Richie is a lifelong Ghostbusters fan whose self-published comics and Ghostbusters portrait commissions are well known among the Ghostbusters fandom, and he's been an avid supporter of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed since it launched, uh, as well as an avid supporter of pretty much everything Ghostbusters. We chat about Ghostbusters fan culture, his experiences as a self-published Ghostbusters artist, our mutual appreciation for Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and Ghostbusters video games, and our hopes of video game content to come. Uh, and much more. And I was really excited to be able to talk with Richie finally because uh, we've never really had the chance to get to know each other one on one, although we've like been in crossing paths with each other a few times in like different Ghostbusters oriented discords and uh, in social media, etc. At different points over the last year, we've talked about doing an episode, but never really quite made it click. So I'm excited that we finally got to do it and to share that conversation with you this week. But before we get into that conversation, we need to talk about a couple housekeeping items. And of course, Ghostbusters headlines. So my first big housekeeping item I want to talk about for a few moments has to do with spoilers and leaks. I want to offer up a quick clarification for folks this week as we begin to see content marketing the next Ghostbusters film. The podcast's policy has generally been, uh, you know, no leaks, uh, no spoilers. Um, But what I really mean by that, and I want to make sure we're all clear on, is that the policy moving forward is no leaks, but officially sanctioned content from Ghost Core and Sony is fair game for discussion. Now, the reason I'm raising this concern and sort of reiterating this at the top of the podcast this week is that Ghostbusters headlines this week includes a discussion of a TikTok video from a social media influencer who visited the Ghostbusters firehouse set in the UK and who was granted an opportunity to shoot a few videos to promote the new Ghostbusters VR game, uh, as well as the franchise and film in general. And to be clear, this was definitely like video content approved by Sony marketing with the Ghostbusters accounts on social media helping to share it. Uh, commenting on it, etc. So we don't have a trailer at this point, but it's very likely we're going to continue to see uh, the franchise get marketed out to different demographics than, frankly, us, the traditional Ghostbusters fans, via different, uh, you know, influencers, folks who have followings who, you know, we want to see potentially be exposed to Ghostbusters and take it up as something they want to go and check out. And so uh, at the same time, there's a video game that's being released this week for Ghostbusters VR. Uh, And they apparently had Ghostbusters VR on the set for folks to try and use who were there for influencer visits. Uh, So it's likely we may see some more content that's going to come out in the next few days. Who knows? Uh, Even if it's not a trailer. So I sort of want folks to be aware of this, that you're probably going to see some more set visit videos that come out. Uh, We are going to talk about them on the podcast. If that's not something that you're comfortable about because you want to stay completely and 100% spoiler free, I would ask you to consider that this is no different than talking about if they put out a trailer because it's marketing information that's put out, uh, you know, that's sanctioned. And so 
the policy moving forward is if it's not sanctioned by Sony, we're not going to talk about it. So again, no leaks allowed. But if it is sanctioned, there's a really good chance we will talk about it. And if you don't want to know about it, I'm going to let you know that we're going to address something and kind of give you a quick spoiler warning. But just be aware that the podcast is going to start to talk more about particulars and details that might come out from these influencer videos to begin to kind of chat about what is this movie going to be. If we had a trailer, I would be more, kind of happier to be able to talk about what the story looks like and who these characters might be. But so far, we're going to get sort of drips of information about forthcoming Ghostbusters products, it seems, uh, especially if we sort of think about how the discussion of Hasbro went last week and the discussion of how that's being dripped out to us. So if we want to be invested as fans and talk about what's happening, we're probably going to need to talk about some social media videos. And so if that's not something that's your bag, I will let you know when it's going to happen in the podcast so you can kind of make some jumps ahead or skip ahead or scrub ahead, you know, three, three minutes or 15 minutes or however long it's going to be that we talk about the thing. Um, so just be aware of that. The second thing I want to talk about real briefly is the idea of, um, not reporting on rumors. I had several people reach out to me in the last week to ask me why I was not discussing the potentiality of a trailer screening at the show East convention or trade show, uh, happening in Florida this week. Uh, this is a trade show that happens for exhibitors of films, meaning people who own theaters. And essentially, this is not that different from CinemaCon, where we saw uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife be screened to potential exhibitors in Las Vegas before it came out. But this is a different convention uh, and a smaller convention, and one that if you looked at the schedule of it, even, you know, a week ago, I would have told you that Sony was going there to market some products that they were targeting towards Latin American audiences, as well as having a screening of a film that's forthcoming called Journey to Bethlehem, which is essentially a pop cultural music revival of the story of Mary and Joseph and their uh, attempt to find a place to have the baby Jesus. You'll probably see that in theaters this holiday season. Uh, so why didn't we talk about this potentiality for a trailer? Because there was no indication of any evidence of it. Uh, it was entirely a rumor that began somewhere, potentially a, a, a web forum, uh, and then began, began to be elevated by a few different media outlets or uh, social media accounts, etc. within the fandom. When there's no evidence of a thing, I'm generally not going to report on it as news. And I say that not because uh, I'm calling anybody out who did report on it. There are some folks who really firmly believe that there was some going to be some likelihood of a trailer. Uh, but when there's not evidence of something, it's not something I'm likely going to turn around and say uh, we should talk about and sort of utter into it existence. And so if you reached out to me this week and you kind of messaged me and said, why aren't you talking about this? And I didn't answer you back. Uh, it's because you were probably the fifth or sixth person to message me. And I didn't want to make the same explanation to say, hey, um, we don't report on rumors on extraplasm. And I'm going to hold to that. Do we speculate on extraplasm? Sure. Do we talk about like what might come out or what Hasbro might release next? Absolutely. But I'll be honest, I've been wrong several times in the last few weeks. I firmly believe we were going to see a Hasbro release back in July because Entertainment Earth uh, you know, had sort of posted something on a calendar suggesting that there would be an announcement and then there wasn't. Uh, and it turned out that, you know, I got very hyped up about a Hasbro uh, announcement that was an announcement for an announcement. We talked about this last week. So rather than kind of uh, run, you know, sort of without uh, reason to re start reporting on things just because it's exciting to speculate and begin hyping those things as potential fact or misunderstanding for folks who are reading social media, Extraplasm is going to continue to kind of take a step back and let us process information. Uh, if you haven't heard, seen me post something on social media about a thing that happened, 
in a given week in Ghostbusters world, don't worry, I probably will talk to you about it, but it might be on Tuesday. And that opportunity to kind of wait until Tuesday will give us more time to process what's going on, to look to see whether or not there's evidence of things that are going on before uh, we kind of just run with them and hope that they're true. So um, I hope that kind of clarifies things in terms of where we're at on what leaks are, what spoilers are, what rumors are, and how we're going to handle them moving forward. And of course, if you have anything you want to share with the podcast that you feel is legitimate um, or that you are excited about, you can, you can, of course, always still pass that along uh, to me via Extraplasm on Instagram or X. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Extraplasm Podcast on Facebook and via email at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. So this isn't my way of saying don't reach out if you have something to share, but let's just make sure the things we're sharing have some legitimacy to them so that we're not uttering things into existence that maybe aren't true and just kind of potentially create headaches. Uh, for folks who are trying to market uh, the franchise and market things within it. Okay, so with that kind of declaration of the state of the podcast out of the way, let's move into talking about some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. In Ghostbusters headlines this week, like I said, the big news in official sense uh, is about this social media post that came out this week. Uh, showing us a glimpse of the Ghostbusters firehouse set. If you don't want to hear about that, you may want to skip ahead uh, about, you know, six or seven minutes in this conversation because, um, you know, that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes. Okay, so the big reveal that we saw this week is that apparently there is a slime blower on the set of Ghostbusters firehouse. Now, is it in the movie? Who knows? Um, but we do know that there was a social media influencer uh, from TikTok uh, from the UK whose name is Henry Calvert, and he went to visit the set and essentially was in a flight suit and was given an opportunity to do a whole bunch of different things, it seems. Uh, these are TikTok videos, so of course they're each less than one minute long and feature lots of montage, but it's very clear that he had an opportunity to make some slime on set to hang around, raise a cult video, um, and be outside of it and essentially film in front of it to be outside the firehouse and film in front of it. And at one point to begin spraying down a dummy with a working slime blower that didn't have a pack connected to it, but did have the nozzle connected to a hose blowing pink slime. So does that mean that there's going to be, um, a slime blower in the forthcoming Ghostbusters movie? Uh, who knows? <laughs> it could entirely be a situation where they had a slime blower there as one of the interactive things that influencers who visited the set uh, for these kinds of videos had an opportunity to do. Uh, it's very clear that PlayStation uh, 5 VR thing was set up for uh, Rise of the Ghost Lord for folks to try out there as well. So there were a whole bunch of different interactive things and activations that influencers seem to be able to do if they're invited to the set. And it's not clear how many people were invited to the set to do these kinds of things. But the point is that does this mean it's in the movie? No, <laughs> we do, maybe. Who knows? Um, this is part of the speculation thing where we don't want to make it a rumor that, yes, the slime blower is in the movie. Uh, but if it is kind of interesting to consider, they brought all this equipment all the way to the UK um, that you would think that they weren't going to bring much with them that they didn't intend to use for some productive reason. So potentially there's a slime blower in the movie. 
I heard some funny things in response to this. I heard some folks suggest that this proves that Ghostbusters 2 is canon uh, because there's the contingent of folks in the fandom who are concerned that Ghostbusters Afterlife somehow made Ghostbusters 2 not canon. Uh, So if you're one of those people, feel confident that now the slime blower is still in existence and Ghostbusters 2 is canon. Uh, But, you know, I mean, this is just hype. You know, it's kind of hype about what's coming out with the next movie. We have no idea. This video doesn't really tell us anything. I think everybody's very excited and we're all waiting for a trailer. We're waiting to know what the title of this movie is. So we're willing to chase down any piece of information we can right now about Ghostbusters. And so the appearance of the slime blower is a very big deal. Uh, but, you know, to me, in reality, is it really in the movie? We'll see. Is it exciting, though, that there's people who are, you know, beginning to market things and kind of promote their set visits uh, and that potentially those are things that are being greenlit as we get closer and closer to a trailer? My answer to that question is yes. Um, I'm very excited to uh, potentially see a trailer coming soon. I have don't know if it's going to happen before the end of the month. And at this point, my guess is no. Uh, But I am stoked that we're at least starting to see some of the marketing ramp up, even if it's happening in a different way than we might normally expect because it's happening through uh, these drips of influencer videos and what have you. So that kind of gives you the idea of what's going on with uh, the official news about Firehouse this week. Essentially, there's a viral video. Um, Go take a look at it if you want. If you want to find a quick way to get there, uh, go to Ghostbusters News because Jason Fitzsimmons has the video featured as well, or the videos, because it's more than one, Uh, you can click right through his link to the influencer in question, Henry Calvert's TikTok page, which I don't remember right now because I'm not on TikTok. Um, And you can also read his coverage and breakdown of what's in each of these videos. Let's talk for a few minutes then, uh, since there's no other official news to promote yet, because there's still no trailer and still no title name, about some Ghostbusters video game news that's pretty official. It was a really big week in Ghostbusters video games uh, because the Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed Ecto Edition dropped and it has completely changed the game that we had out there already. Ecto Edition expands the Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed sort of ecosystem out from just the existing ecosystem of Xbox, PlayStation and PC uh, via Epic Games to adding PC players via Steam and probably more importantly, the entire ecosystem of Nintendo Switch. Uh, and so you have now have virtually every gaming console and platform on the planet has access to Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, which is very exciting. Uh, but in addition to opened up access, the new DLC provided a ton in terms of n- new content and new experiences. There's a new story mode uh, that you can access that introduces Sam Hain from the real Ghostbusters as a character in this narrative And it's not just like some new story that features, you know, some voice actors coming in to play ancillary characters, but Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson were back for his voice performers performers for this, which is pretty cool. There's two new levels, including a subway station that looks like it was taken straight out of New York City and an indoor amusement center with a laser tag, arcades, bowling alley, restaurants, etc. And like I said, Sam Haynes been introduced in the story, but he's also a playable ghost. Uh, who's a new entirely new overlord class that can't possess items anymore, but uh, can create catalysts to spawn new rifts as well as leverage PKE and hauntings that are happening around him. Uh, He's able to resist tethering a lot easier uh, because he can't possess things, but it means that he's able to put up a fight. And so it's kind of changing the way in which ghost battles will work in that game. 
The game also introduces ghost bounties, meaning that you can now go and say that you want to take a team of people to go chase down a specific ghost to earn XP and designate its level of experience and create customizable private matches in ways you couldn't before. There's character and loadout slots. So as opposed to having one character design and one set of weaponry that you can decide to use with it, you can now switch between these things and you can even change loadouts during matches, which is really cool. So if you find out you're in a match with a, a you know, a player who's using a ghost that you're not well equipped for, you can go back to the gear cart and change out not just the secondary weapon you have, but your actual loadout to be better armed to fight against the particular ghost in question. There's also new tenure levels, including uh, new cosmetic unlocks that are exclusive to those who've tenured up to level five and some gear shells that you can unlock that allow you to uh, essentially carry around gear that looks like it's been made out of cardboard, including the cardboard boxes that the real Ghostbusters toys came in when you were a kid, uh, which is pretty amazing. And so there's a lot in the DLC. I'm not, I'm not going to continue to talk too much about it here because uh, Richie and I get into it pretty in depth uh, for almost like an hour of the conversation this week. So rather than kind of run through stuff here very briefly and then retouch upon the same things later, I'm going to sort of put a pin in the discussion of the DLC here. But I do want to say this. If you haven't tried Spirits Unleashed or you tried it earlier and you gave up on it because you're like, this isn't for me, Ecto Edition completely changes like what you've been playing before or what you haven't played yet. It's really amazing. And for the low cost of like entry of like $19.99 for the Switch edition and probably the same to download for Steam or for Epic Games, like there's a no brainer here. Like for 20 bucks, you can get a better experience than uh, most like things that you could buy for $20 as a game. Like that to me, I look at that as like a bargain bin price for a game um, as opposed to something that you're going to get four different DLCs worth of content that have happened and all of these new features that have been unlocked. Uh, so if you're not playing Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed from Ilphonic, please, like, by all means, give this a shot, because even if you're somebody who played it before, you're going to find so much new and amazing content in there to check out. Beyond uh, the news we've got about Ilphonic's Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, I want to remind folks that the new VR game, Rise of the Ghost Lord, will be dropping this week on the 26th. Uh, that's why you saw some promotional video for that from an influencer that came out on TikTok, of course. Uh, but you know, that's a pretty interesting project that's coming out for the MetaQuest systems and PlayStation VR. And the MetaQuest 3 has an exclusive mini puffed game uh, that we've talked about in the past that there's been some video footage that's come out uh, on the Ghostbusters account and the Sony VR account on Instagram. So if you want to take a look at those two accounts, you can. Uh, you should also know that if you're into that VR game and you want to find out more about it or start to get involved in a community with it, there is a link to a uh, new discord for that game that you can find on the Ghostbusters and Sony VR Instagram accounts for sure. And they may be on the Facebook accounts too. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure of the URL of that off the top of my head, but maybe I'll link to it in a story on Instagram that you can look for later on this week when the game launches. Uh, okay. So that kind of wraps things up for us in terms of video game news for this week. So let's talk for a few minutes about merchandise. Ghostbusters merch news includes this week, the reveal of a Gozer statue to go along with the four Ghostbusters that we've already know are coming from Premium Collectible Studios. Uh, those you may recall are the really high end figurines and statues that are being put out, each with a different Slimer, uh, and that are running about $700. The Gozer figure is going to, you know, based off concept drawings that were put out by Ant Adams, who's the CEO of PCS, uh, the, the Gozer figure will apparently feature the Temple's Stone Staircase, 
and we'll have her standing in front of it. It's not clear what there if there will be like a pack in for this the same way there's a Slimer pack in for the deluxe figures or what's going to differentiate between a standard and a deluxe Gozer figure. But um, these are pretty cool drawings so far. The PCS figurines are really nice looking and you may recall that this is the same company that was producing a race stance figure that people were not so keen and hot on and they took the feedback and decided to go back to the sculpt and the re and the paint and fix it and that they've now released images that look way better. Um, I've said the price point is way too high for me because I can't afford to spend $700 a figure but if you're a high-end figurine collector uh, this looks like it's going to be a line that doesn't just stop uh, necessarily at the Ghostbusters but potentially may include Gozer as well. So if you want to see those images, you can take a look at them pretty quickly by going to Ghostbusters News. Jason's got them linked there uh, and you can sort of get a fill, get get filled in a bit about what's going on with the PCS line. Beyond PCS releasing things this week that um, you know we may not have expected, Star Ace, who we've talked about previously is having a Ghostbusters license to produce a Stay Puft figure, uh, is now going to also be releasing a Slimer figure. The pre-order for that is now available, and there's a regular edition and a deluxe edition. The deluxe edition of Slimer uh, comes with sausages, apparently, <laughs> just that he can put in his mouth, as well as he's got a base uh, that he goes on that will then allow him to be LED lit. Uh, I guess the deluxe version will be cast out of a um, some sort of translucent vinyl, whereas the regular version will not, so it won't light up. The price point on this and differentiation is really simple. It's like 20 bucks. And these are available through the Star Ace website for pre-order as well as BigBadToyStore.com. If you want to pre-order directly from Star Ace, uh, you can go to their website at StarAce.com.hk because they're based in Hong Kong. Um, these figurines look pretty cool. It's going to be about eight and a half inches tall, although I will say this. I don't think this is the best sculpt of Slimer I've ever seen. I still think Phantasm Toys and their slime ball figurine really still takes the cake on that. But this is a pretty nice figurine. And I'll also say that we don't see the backside of this figurine in the current renders. We only see the front. So I'm sure that we'll be waiting to hear what Jason Fitzsimmons at Ghostbusters News has to say about this particular Slimer's booty and whether or not it fits the bill of being an officially licensed Slimer. <laughs> um, but I, I digress a little bit, but I do mean this too. I, I kind of agree. You know, if, if your Slimer doesn't have a big old butt, then is it really Slimer? So I'm, I'm, if you're out there, Star Ace, turn that figurine around. Let us see the back. Um, but it is a pretty decent looking Slimer beyond that. Um, it's got a Q4 release this year, as does the Stay Puffed. And again, you can pre-order it now at either Big Bad Toy Store or Star Ace's website. In unofficially licensed merchandise news, Dixon Flannel uh, has announced that they have a new Ghostbusters inspired design that's come out in the last week. The blue, green, black, and purple plaid pattern that they've got on the shirt essentially mimics the shirt that Peter Venkman is wearing at the beginning of Ghostbusters uh, during the scenes when he's around the firehouse bickering with Janine, as well as when he goes to investigate Dana Barrett's apartment and look around in her fridge. So this is a shirt that I don't really think they've anybody's ever really made um, as a replica. And to be fair, it's not an exact replica of the shirt that Bankman wears, but it is a pretty spot on, you know, pretty like look alike to the pattern uh, and something that doesn't scream Ghostbusters if you want to wear it to work, <laughs> because the only place that you'll see a Ghostbusters tag is on the inside 
underneath the collar, uh, where you'll find a Venkman name tag as well as an image of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, so if you're looking for something that is low key Ghostbusters that you can justify buying and wearing, um, you can go over to Dixon Flannel's website. The address for that is Dixon.com, D-I-X-X-O-N.com. And you can find the shirt for $49.99 in both men and women's designs and sizes. So that about wraps up the headline segment for this week and covers the different merchandise releases for the most part. But there's one thing I always like to tell you at the end of it, which is what you can go look at this week that would be kind of fun just to kind of, you know, waste some time while you're on your lunch hour at work or something. Um, so a couple things to go take a look at. Head over to Ghostbusters News if you haven't already and take a look at Jason Fitzsimmons video reviewing uh, the terror dog costume from HalloweenCostumes.com. This is a fun video where he went out of the house uh, and met some terror dogs who apparently tried to possess him. Um, and apparently the incident may have gotten a little humpy. Uh, so you can go watch a goofy video of Jason uh, reviewing the terror dog costume from HalloweenCostumes.com because that costume has looked ridiculous and funny as hell since they first announced it. And it does not disappoint in being exactly that. And the video is great. Uh, you can also go over there and find his video coverage of First to Eleven, uh, the cover band. Uh, they did their new rendition of Ghostbusters, the original Ray Parker Jr. song. Uh, and so it's a pretty cool new video, a new take on the song. If you want to go listen to one more rendition of Ghostbusters you haven't heard yet, you can head over to Ghostbusters News and find that as well. Okay, with all of our headlines covered, let's go now to my conversation with Ghostbusters fan and artist, Richie Crypt. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast for the first time and all the way from across the pond or the ocean or the the pool, whatever you want to call it, is a giant body of water. Richie Crypt, artist, illustrator, awesome person, and super Ghostbusters fan. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing great. It's a uh, Saturday night, and I'm feeling all right. <laughs> you there? It's Saturday night for you because we have this weird eight-hour time difference. Yes. I'm trying to think like how many international guests there have been. If you don't count Canada, because I mean, to be fair, Canada is international, it's just, but it's, just it's also hat. like. No, I, you know, I won't I won't say if it's a hat, it's a cool hat because I'm it always a cool like, hat. yes, Canadian people are, are awesome. The folks who come on the show. And I think it's kind of funny because like the last two weeks, I was saying that there was a Canadian block. There was like Chris Stewart was on the show and then Jason Fitzsimmons is on the show. So now we're just like, OK, let's take it back to the motherland. We're just going to shoot back over to the <laughs> to Europe and figure <laughs> out how to get back to the people who sent us all over this continent. Uh, yeah, whatever. But. I'm glad you're here. It's good to finally get to talk to you and meet you like kind of one on one because we've kind of orbited in each other's circles, I think, for a while. Yeah. Um, a think, few you years know, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we've kind of crossed paths and I think we've ended up at some points in the same discords for Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and things. But like and we've like yes. we message each other like, hey, this is a cool thing, like once in a while. But like we've never really <laughs> sat down and talked. Yeah. So um, I'm excited about it. So, yeah. And I'll also say this. I talked to so many people who, whenever I say your name, they go, oh, I have a cool thing that I commissioned. <laughs> and, then, and then they send it to me. <laughs> Over 350 Ghostbusters portraits are out there in the wild somewhere. So It's amazing. Um, it's so funny. There are so many of them. And because like every time I say your name, I'm not, that's like no exaggeration. In the last week, I have probably received like 10 
of <laughs> your pieces of art of people I know because I said, hey, guess who's going to come on the show next week? And they went, oh, cool, look. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and some of them I don't even remember doing. So I'm like, oh, did, wow, that's a good one. Cool. <laughs> wow, that guy does art like me. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, that guy looks familiar. But yeah. That's where you'll find out that you, you'll start accusing things of being AI art that stole from you. And in reality, you'll just be you. <laughs> I've, I've seen people try and do it. <laughs> try and do Richie Crypt via AI, and it does not look anything like me. Oh, I so bet I think not. I'm safe. I think I'm but, safe. But your artwork is amazing, um, and it's really something that's uh, respectable and folks really appreciate. So I'm excited to talk with you about Thank it because, you. you know, you're, 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 kind of, you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> I hate that, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> look. We've we figured out where the Canadians inherited it from. (laughs) (laughs) A big deal. Okay. (laughs) I I, I mean, I'm saying that I say that with total love, but I I joke I joke about this that when I when folks come on the show who are from Canada, I will give them compliments, and they are very quick to go, no, no, no. (laughs) And you're like, what is this cultural thing of just refusing to (laughs) accept being good at stuff? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It's odd. It is strange. fun, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I want to talk with you a bit about kind of your art, like where you kind of got into it. What's your background? Like, how did you become involved in drawing and illustrating? So it's pretty simple. So when I was about five, somebody bought me one of the Marvel real Ghostbusters comics, and I started drawing, and I just didn't stop. <laughs> and I've been doing it since. Is that like the thing you learned to draw first? Like you, you were yes. like, okay. Definitely. It was like I could draw... And people have said it about the, the Patreon comment. They're like, wow, you can just knock, because I stream it sometimes. People are like, right. wow, you can just knock that out in like 15 minutes. And I'm like, yes, yeah, real Ghostbusters is pretty easy. You know, I don't have to get any likenesses <laughs> right. And so I'm bam. Nah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I am Ghostbusters 100% learn, taught, everything. Did you, did you end up going to school for illustration, like in for nope. art? Or did, so you're just all self taught? Right. All just self self taught. I did a bit of a stint um, when I was about sixteen. I did some inking for some uh, like actual professional comic artists in the UK. Yeah. And they were like the old men in the room, like all smoking and saying, <laughs> "Don't do that. Do this. Stop doing that." And like just just being mean to me. And I just kind of learned that way. But, um, yeah. That was that's that's my educa- my education is Ghostbusters. So. so trial by fire and self teaching. Right. I love it. Pretty much. Um, that's kind of awesome. I, I think it's funny because I think about doodling. Like I'm a doodler. I don't, I will never say that I'm a good at drawing. I will never say that I could produce a piece of art that anyone should ever own that I drew because I'm not good at drawing, but I am a decent doodler, but I find that it's all in this weird muscle memory of mm. like things I drew as a kid. If I'm sitting in a meeting at work, the first thing that goes down on a page for some reason is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Like, yeah, I drew a lot of Sonic a Hedgehog as well. D- until I got the internet and Googled Sonic, I was like, I'm never drawing Sonic again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do that. I start with the nose. I got to draw the oval. You got to draw the nose first. Then, you got to draw like, little bit of the eyes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. I, so that, but that's kind of fun because it's like it starts for you as a childhood thing. And from there, it's just kind of a thing you keep growing and developing as a skill. Like, 
I can, I can tell a deeper story. I can m- draw a more detailed thing the longer I keep doing this. It's kind well, of that's it. Yeah, you just, you, um, I was talking to people about it the other night and they were like, oh, how do I get into comics? And I was like, well, you make bad comics. And you, you draw bad <laughs> art. That's what you do. That's going to be your first couple of comics. They're going to be bad. Just keep doing it. Oh my God, it's And then true. they'll get better. I remember being a kid and checking out books from the library that were like, Stan Lee's Guide to How to Draw Comics. And somehow after the 30 days of having that book in my, you know, lending library, it, I wasn't able to draw comics. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at that book didn't work. I actually had to sit down and try to draw them. But yeah, um, it's, it's kind of fun. I, I like the idea that you kind of still have a connection and a passion to what you were doing as a kid. I don't think there's that many people who can say that, you know, as a thing they've chosen to do as a profession, as a thing they've chosen to do as like a part of what they do for their, for a living, that they get to do the same thing they enjoyed doing. Just the pure joy of being a child and drawing is something that's kind of very cool and very unique. So congrats yeah. to you for that. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky. Um, we, I, I sometimes joke about like somewhere there's a monkey's paw. It's just closed as a fist because I was just like, I want to draw <laughs> Ghostbusters for the rest of my life. And it happened. But um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do draw other stuff sort of like and, and other, uh, other comics other than Ghostbusters. But every time I'm doing it, I'm always like, oh, I wish I could draw some Ghostbusters. Yeah. It seems that you always, you always come home, right? Like you've, you'll yeah, dabble well, in other world. things, but you come home. Yeah. It's the world where all the ideas are for me anyway. What drove you sort of to turn around and say, I want to do this as a career track, though? Like, I guess from like moving from being a kid who loves drawing, what became the turning point? Where did you go? I want I know I want to do this and do it professionally. I don't know. I think it's always been the plan of that's always what's been in the back of my head from like when I saw there's a the very short documentary that um, Rolf Harris's cartoon hour or whatever it was called put out called Slimer Won't Do That. And it's like a behind the scenes of the real Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> Rolf Harris is a terrible person. You shouldn't look up in, into him. Very bad man. But he had a kid's <laughs> show back in the day. And, it, you know, they talked to Dan and Harold and all this sort of stuff. I'm going behind the scenes of the real Ghostbusters. And I was just like, wait, hang on. People could draw this and that's their job. So I think ever since then, I was like, that's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, and every other job I've had since, and I've had a lot because I'm not very good at taking d- d- uh, directions, um, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's Ghostbusters. Uh, like every other job has just been like the side job to the comics and the, the Ghostbusters are. Gotcha. So this it's kind of became a thing yeah. where you went, "This is what I'm going to do. It's what I meant to do," and you kind of got turned on to this early on of like, "Well, this is a possibility, so let's just keep doing it." That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, unless, yeah. you know, they, you know, over my dead body, I will, I will keep drawing Ghostbusters. I will admit that if I had been that passionate, followed through on my dreams in that way at an early age, I wouldn't have a podcast. And instead I'd have an ice cream truck uh, because well. <laughs> as a child, I was mind blown by the idea that a person could just sell ice cream from a truck for money. <laughs> like that, that was, that's like, what? I could do that. I could be an ice cream man. I could, I like ice cream. I know a lot about ice cream. How hard could it be? Drive a car, drive a truck and hand out ice cream to kids and take money. Um, but that, that's a very different thing. It doesn't really require building a lot of skill. Um, and we're, we're becoming I mean, much I don't better know. I don't know. 
I don't know enough about ice cream to be able to, to be able to comment on that. Well, as an uh, ice cream truck driver, I think it's less about knowing much about ice cream, and knowing more about driving. And that know. was that's probably true. <laughs> but I don't want to disparage any ice cream men out there. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm angrily. All of all of you who are ice cream men, you are all insufficient. We need ice cream women to take all your jobs. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> when I used to smoke, I loved the ice cream man because they sell cigarettes over here. So <laughs> I'd hear that like Popeye the Sailor theme go past and I'd run up in a place. Give me some. That's so funny. I, I can remember buying candy cigarettes from the ice cream man here, but I never bought actual cigarettes from the ice cream. Man. So yeah, it's another, it's just like, it's again, I'm just following through from the real Ghostbusters. As a kid, I bought the real Ghostbusters candy cigarettes from the ice cream man. And as an adult, I bought the real ones. <laughs> Did they really have real Ghostbusters candy cigarettes in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. No um, way. And you got like a little, you pulled them out and it's a pack of cigarettes. It had like a Egon or whatever on the front or like the, you know, the stock ghosts that they had. Yeah. Uh, it's a blue packet and they were really dusty. So you could smoke them and blow. Right. And right. it looked like smoke would come out. But yeah, it was weird, wow. weird See, things. We had those same kind of candy cigarettes, but they weren't branded like with a cartoon. And I imagine if they had done that here, somebody would have flipped the lid because people were already flipping the lid. Here. Yeah, no, agreed. That's kind of crazy. Like that's because at the time I could think about how people were very upset about like how commercializing kids toys during cartoons was bad. Um, and people were beginning to question whether or not Fred Flintstone should be selling vitamins. Well, yeah. And also <laughs> saying that we were talking about the old real Ghostbusters masks last night, me and Ghostosaurus. And he said something that flashed me back. It's like I wasn't allowed to wear a mask because there was something about masks suffocating kids like yeah in the in the zeitgeist for a while i was like oh yeah i completely forgot about that yeah that was like mm. a weird like <clears throat> check your kids candy because it's full of drugs and needles and whatever <laughs> kind of yeah. urban legend thing right and they're like oh, masks might suffocate kids but my parents were like yeah don't wear a mask while smoking drinking <laughs> 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 it's kind of funny how like the things that people were so concerned about for kids while they did the things they were doing as adults. And mm. I think that's still true. I think that yeah, today we're, we're far, we're even more concerned about kids and safety than we ever were by the same token. We now have places in the U S you can go to. I don't know if you have this over there, uh, that you can go and you can drink and then you can throw axes at things. Yeah, we have that here. <laughs> and I sit there and I go, this just seems like a liability lawsuit waiting to happen. Like it's just it's- called Manchester here. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been largely as a, as a producer of comics and producer of art, you've been a sub a self-published author for the most part, right? That's yes. for most of your career. Um, so tell me a bit about that. Like what made you decide to, um, you know, we, I get this understanding of why you went deep on Ghostbusters is a thing that's been there since you've, been a kid it's always been there as part of your art what made you decide that it was just better to go self-publishing rather than to go other avenues or to kind of try to get into mainstream comic publishing i mean don't get me wrong if if a mainstream publisher comes along i'm gonna say yes um (laughs) i didn't mean i didn't mean i didn't mean to constitute that question that way of like at what point did you look at the mainstream comic (laughs) industry and be like fuck y'all um but (laughs) well it was kind of like I started noticing when the IDW books come out, which I love, that like Ecto One didn't look right, Proton Packs didn't look right, couldn't use any of the actors' likenesses. Right. I was like, oh, but wouldn't it be great if you could? 
And then I was just like, but no one's ever going to let you do that. So why not? I'll just do it myself. <laughs> really? Because I'm like, I'm from, I, I see your Descendants doll behind you. I'm very much like from the, the punk rock. I used to be in a punk band. So very much DIY. And I was just like, well, I'll just do it myself. And kind of like do the punk rock Ghostbusters. And yeah. Go that way. Thank you also for spotting my Milo Ackerman plush. Um, yes. He's, yeah. He's, he's very valuable to me at this point. I got him a few months ago and he's, he's bendable. You can pose it. Oh, he's a poseable yeah. plush. Um, shout out to Agronautics who made that thing. It's awesome. I also noticed your, your little shout out to, to Misfits in the Chris Stewart episode. And I am, that, that is my bad. Misfits and Black Flag were like, yeah, where I got into it. So, yeah. Yeah, I I'm a huge fan of those bands and they like make up a huge part of my life. And I think that DIY ethic or ethos is something that, you know, most fans of punk music kind of uphold throughout their lives. It's like a thing where yeah. even if you like stop, even if you stop going to punk shows, like I admit at this point, I feel I'm old when old. I go to punk shows. <laughs> like yeah. this is funny. You'll, you'll appreciate this as a as a fan of like Descendants and stuff. Um, we went to go see the Descendants. And here in California a few months ago, my partner and I, uh, and so sh- she took me to go see them. I was really excited to go. I didn't know I was going to be going because I thought the tickets were sold out and she had got the tickets. And I have seen Descendants play probably at this point, like, I don't know, 10 times in my life. I have a tattoo of all like all Roy from their other band. I, they yeah. are a huge thing for me. And as a person who's like an academic kind of person who teaches, but also finds that he really would rather often be doing DIY things. The band very deeply appeals to me because it's one of those things that runs deeply through their music. Cause Milo, Milo Ackerman is a professor and I don't really need to tell you this as much as I'm telling everyone else. Who's like, Jim, what are you talking about? Uh, but <laughs> the, the, we went to go see descendants, a band that, you know, was playing in dirty clubs in the 1970s and early 1980s. And is kind of known for being in, amongst the old school punk rock scene. And we saw them in a venue where they had a small eatery where you could <laughs> for $30, <laughs> you got <laughs> for $30, you got dinner and a show. You got dinner and a show. You got 30, <laughs> for an extra $30, you got your own table and chairs, and they would give you your choice of entree. So I had an impossible burger and fries and sat and watched the descendants and i looked at my partner and i was like dude getting old is so fucking cool <laughs> yeah. like, what that's like i'm literally watching the descendants perform on stage while i eat from a seat that i've been told is mine no one else can have it i can come back to it i can go do what i want and return and i don't have to worry about this and i don't have to stand in the throngs of moshing people I was just like, I'm so old and I love it. And then of course they played their song. What, when I get old, which the chorus of is what will I be like when I get old? And Milo was losing his voice. So he, at the end of the song, he just went, this is what it's like when I get old. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this. So sorry to derail into a story about descendants on you, but uh, I think that that whole DIY ethos you're talking about is something that does ring true for a lot of folks who, come out of punk music out of punk bands kip marshall i know has uh been working on that the um the decals for the ecto one and justin west who has been on have talked about this a bit you know so uh, it's one of those things that i think rings true for many of us who kind of are ghostbusters fans and are in that venn diagram of punk rock fans at the same time yeah and i yeah i kind of wonder what that's about 
Like, why is it that there's so many of us who are deeply in love with punk rock music? Well, I think Ghostbusters is kind of punk rock anyway, you know? Yeah. Plus, like, there's the whole line in Afterlife about science being the punk rock of academia and all that sort of stuff. But, like, oh, and that's what that line is like such a huge payoff, right? For like those of us who sit in that weird Venn diagram of sort of DIY musicians and artists and, you know, makers and things. And in my case, like, you know, I make a podcast. That's my DIY effort. But, I've always been one of those people who, even though I don't do it for a profession, like I was always a DIY, let's Photoshop some graphics, let's put together some MP3 files, let's produce some content to go with a class I'm teaching and learn how to do it by hand. So I have a real deep appreciation for that. I think it's really great that, you know, I like I find a lot of the self-taught people in our community are people who I'm like, oh, I like you. You're cool. (laughs) I think it's also like much like the movie Ghostbusters, I just don't like being told no. And if somebody says no, it's a challenge. So I'm like, yeah. okay, well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. You say no to me, I'm going to do it. So. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Like, that's one of those things where you, where people will say, you can't do this thing. And as a result, you want to step up and go, well, challenge accepted. Like, let's yeah. see if you can. And maybe it's you like, can't try do and it, but... stop me. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, Pretty and there's much. so many, th- that's, and that is a fun thing to consider. Like the way that that sort of DIY ethos permeates it's not in an aggressive way necessarily of like oh yeah well i'll show you as much yeah, as it no, is it's not like that at all well what if you did it a different way than most people would do it and you could try and pull it off like i'm reminded of this conversation i had years ago i took a class once in stand-up comedy and fun fact if you want to do stand-up comedy you should just go do it you shouldn't take a class in it <laughs> but mm. like the class i took uh i got up and gave made a joke And when I made the joke, I made a cultural reference to a supermarket chain where we lived. And the teacher of the class critiqued the joke and said, you shouldn't do that. You want your jokes to be universal. They should land everywhere you go. So you shouldn't make any local references. And I said, well, what if you just learned about the places you were going to beforehand and found out what the name of the supermarket chain was? Yeah. And he was like so incensed with me. He was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's not strategic and it's not this. And I was like, well, all I'm saying is just do something slightly different. You can still pull off the thing. And it kind of made me recognize in the moment that I was like, I don't really think I need to be in this class. Like, I think it's I like, just- oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, and to be real, that person probably did know what they were talking about because they were a professional stand up comedian. Like, and they had, they were a comedy writer and a whole bunch of stuff. But for them, they were like, no, this is the way the system works and the way it's done. And I went, well, but that I'm going to, what if I did it a different way myself? <laughs> like, yeah. what, if, what if you were to appeal to an audience and adapt to them as opposed to expect all you audiences to be universalized? Just, you know, and to be fair, I don't have a career in stand-up comedy, but like, <laughs> yeah, but, okay, yeah. I, also, I also didn't pursue one, but it was well, like in the you, moment. I think you were right. You know, you know the yeah, I mean, cheer the, of the night at a lot of gigs is when the band goes, hello, Cleveland. And everyone goes, yeah. He and knows even if they get it wrong, is. even if yeah. they get it wrong, and they're so blotto, everybody's so amused by the fact that the person's so blotto. Like if Fat Mike from No Effects was in Tacoma, Washington, and he got up and he was like, "How's it going, Tulsa?" Nobody would care. No one would care. People would love it. People just love Fat Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even doesn't matter Fat what Mike, he does. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually doing a series of like string, uh, orchestra shows now. Yeah, I heard. It's weird. Yeah. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. I really want to go to his museum. But uh, he's doing them here. Yeah, when, the one in Vegas. Yeah. 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 I'm a. It's it's on my list of things to do for sure. But for me, it's a far quicker drive. It's like five hours. So for you, it's like 
<laughs> a lot it's more a, than that. It's a weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a full day of travel just to get there. So, and then you're in Vegas, so you obviously have to just gamble because you're supposed to. That's what it's like required when you get there. Yeah. They say you can't stay in city limits unless you begin dumping money into machines. But yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. That's fine. Well, now that we've deviated out of things we were talking about to fall over punk rock for 15 minutes or whatever, (laughs) um, (laughs) I should ask you, what are some of the distinct benefits you think like out of being out of self-publishing? Like, what is the best part of that for you as opposed to being involved in a traditional publication model to put out the things you want to put out? What's beneficial for you about that? I can do what I want. Any idea that comes to me, I can just go, okay. Like, issue two of Something Strange is the Amityville Horror versus Ghostbusters. Okay. Which is something I right. thought of as, as a kid and was like, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't this movie be better if the Ghostbusters turned up and <laughs> dealt with it? And I was like, well, I can do that now. Why not? You I'm know? sorry, but my brain just shot off the minute you said that. My brain just shot off 5,000 little idea rockets at once. Exactly. It was like, what if the Ghostbusters were in this movie? What if the Ghostbusters were in that movie? Yeah. What if the Ghostbusters like, showed huh. up in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Like, <laughs> You could do that. I was like, I, uh, one of the first things I wanted to do was Ghostbusters versus Poltergeist. And I was like, that's going to be real short. That's not going <laughs> to, you wouldn't know it was Poltergeist. Because they're going to turn up and get a PK and go, oh yeah, it's here. Shoot it. Done. All right. Bye. Here's your bill. And it's like, but that's the joke with Ghostbusters, isn't it? You know, there's a horror movie situation. It it is kind of true, right? If Poltergeist was happening and the Ghostbusters showed up, that would be like an average call. (laughs) It would not be like a world ending affair. Like, this house is haunted. Okay. Yeah, we know. Yeah. (laughs) We could tell. And, you know, you'd have some, like, conversation where Winston's calming the family down, Peter's going through the fridge or something like that. And, you know, the, the, the characters, you know, they, you can put them in any situation. You kind of know what they're going to be doing. So it's so fun to do that. Funny. Do you like, a, I mean, this in general, do you like a good crossover comic? Is that a thing you're a fan of? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I kind of got a little bit annoyed towards the end of the IDW run when it was like, Ghostbusters meet. Hello Kitty or, or like Transformers <laughs> and that sort of stuff. I was like, just get on. Tell me a cool ghost story. You know, that's what I want. I, yeah, I get like Transformers are doing crossovers with everything. And I did really like the is it Contagion Infection. Yeah. Like that kind of kicked off the whole Ghostbusters thing. I enjoyed that. But yeah, I'm just like, it could, when I got, when I was a kid, it used to really annoy me when people would bring their toys over and I'd be like, why, why, why have you bought these toys? We're playing Ghostbusters. And they're like, well, my <laughs> toy can be in the Ghostbusters. I'm like, no, no, no. It's clearly a different style and design. These aren't the same scale. No, He-Man can't be in Ghostbusters. Um, so I kind of, I do enjoy a good crossover, but yeah, it's got to be something special. It's got to be something reasonable, right? Like, and that's, that to me, like... If you're going to bring your He-Man figures to come play with your real Ghostbusters figures, you need to bring Scareglow, right? Like you yes, need to bring he works. like he works in that in that system. But like you can't be like, yeah, Orko and Slimer are friends now. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, please no. Nope. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but it's Slimer with a tail. I'm like, no, never that Slimer. <laughs> so one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about putting people in different movies uh, or putting Ghostbusters in different movies or different contexts in that way was I started thinking about the Doctor Who comics 
and the Doctor Who crossover comics from like, I think the one that for me that I was like, I want to read this, but it also makes no sense to me was Doctor Who meets Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> it's just like the, no, I can the, see it working. <laughs> the, the Enterprise encounters the TARDIS as a result of some sort of, you know, temporal shift that happens. And uh, probably, I, I don't know, um, I've just completely lost the, the name of the thing that's in Star Trek that makes time travel happen. There's some particle. It's going to come back oh, when yeah. we're done podcasting and then I'm going to be really mad about it. Um, <laughs> mm, the I don't like when I have to slingshot around the sun. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of ways, right? Like the most recent one, yeah. I was watching a Deep Space Nine episode recently where there was chemocyte that was inside the Ferengi ship and they went to go take Nog to, to uh, the Academy. And as a result of a space phenomenon, the chemocyte caused some nonsense and they went back to the 1940s. And uh, yes, I do remember that episode. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ferengi <laughs> crashed at Roswell, New Mexico. Right. So, yeah. Um, but like there's all kinds of the, the, the Doctor Who stuff to me was kind of funny because it was this weird thing I never would have imagined. Like, I think plenty of people are fans of Doctor Who and are fans of Star Wars, of Star Trek. But I don't think most people conceptualize those two universes as ever kind of crossing in any way. Like the way that. Yeah. The way that Doctor Who constructs its future is far different than the future of Star Trek. So yeah. when they came together, I was like, this is fun, but it also makes no narrative sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> like, because at, at no point in the history of Doctor Who uh, has there been a like a discussion of the time period in which a galactic federation uh, came up. Right? The Doctor Who's very good at being like off in the future, billions of years from now, your planet dies and all the humans leave Earth and go off to other places in the in the universe. Whereas the Star Trek version of this is like, nah, we're always here. We build a space base and we defend it forever. And I went, yeah, it's, it's like we fix everything. It's all that? good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Right. How do you reconcile that? So I mean that's an example to me of like a comic crossover that I want to work, but mm. doesn't, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. What's something that you'd say that you still have not done yet that you would want to cross over if you want to share it? Gremlins. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm. That's a great what idea. What happens when you hit a, a mogwai with a parkour thrower? <laughs> <laughs> Don't hit the mogwai. No, hit not the, the mogwai. No, never the mogwai. I mean, the actual gremlin. Yeah, yeah. The first thing that happens when you turn on a positron collider in front of a mogwai is they go, bright light, bright light. That's the <laughs> yeah. first thing that happens. <laughs> The second thing is they go pop. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do a Gremlins, like a Christmas Ghostbusters Gremlins story. Um, oh, that would be great. I've got a few ideas. But uh, yeah, and of course, Gremlins 2 is set in New York, so it kind of fits. You can you can make those those universes work. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. It would be, And it would be kind of cool if like, not to be like, let me write your story for you, but. There's no, like we don't really know what the like the mythos of where the gremlins come from is, right? Yeah, we just know they, that like just, they the Chinese. Yeah, they they come from a Chinese shop. I didn't watch shop. the new gremlins. I didn't watch the new gremlins series. To be fair, not yet. I didn't either. I didn't either. So if it's something in there that's canon, that's like the gremlins come from a portal that goes to Gremlin Town. Like I don't know about that, but um, yeah. they come from Mogwai Village. Uh, I. <laughs> Which I think they, they might do <laughs> from, from screenshots I've seen. They're from Japan and they're from Mogwai Do. It's right next door to Miyagi Do. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to win the All Valley Championship. Right. Well, there you go. There's another crossover. The Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters in a karate, karate. tournament. 
<laughs> and all of Although, the other competitors are ghosts. <laughs> Ghostbusters meets Big Trouble in Little China could work. That I could mean, they work. both take place in the firehouse. Yeah, so. you just got to draw the same firehouse. So what's the difference? <laughs> they got to open that shutter that goes down. It's- <laughs> <laughs> if if the creative freedom is sort of what drives uh, self-publishing and makes it worthwhile for you, what's the biggest challenge? Like, what is the hardest part about choosing to self-publish content as opposed to work with a publishing company? The money, really, <laughs> because none of this stuff is free, you know. Right. Um, it's all basically funded by um, Patreon, commissions, the shop, people buying the comics and everything like that. Without that, I can't keep doing it. I'll have to get a real job um, until they fire me and I go back to doing it. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all just the, the money is the hardest part. That's the big challenge. Um, and it really sucks because most of my money came from Facebook and it's recently been hacked. So I'm having to rebuild everything on Facebook again. I've lost a couple that of sucks. thousand followers. It's just like, oh, but the community is pretty good. And, you know, well, the community is great, to be fair. You, you're not going to find another community out there like the Ghostbusters community. Right. Most of the community is great. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's true of all communities. That I, is true. I, I, yeah. I, just, I had this conversation recently where somebody was like, hey, you know, some, I won't even get to what the particulars were, but someone I was talking with who's a friend was like, you know, the Ghostbusters community has people who do blank, blank and blank. And I was like, yes, yeah, so does a Star Wars fandom. So does a Star Trek fandom. Like there's just people. Some human beings are just not yeah. great. <laughs> they I like mean- the same things you do. They're just not great people. <laughs> like that's- yeah, that's it. You know, it's like, I've only recently gotten into Star Trek while I was drawing issue three. I was just like, I'm just, oh, this Star Trek thing everyone loves. I'll throw this on and got massively into it. And we are spoiled by the Ghostbusters community because the Star Trek community is a cesspit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I am a deep Star Trek fan. And I love, I, I really do love Star Trek to pieces. And if people ask me like, what are the things in your life that, how culturally you need like that you would just if you couldn't have them anymore if somebody said entertainment's over <laughs> you have you get to pick three things to keep from here on out what are they and it would be like ghostbusters star trek and doctor who those would be the three things like pretty sci-fi wise i would probably argue that i got to make a comedy selection and that it should be separate from those and then we could have a debate about whether yeah, or not yeah. ghostbusters is comedy or sci-fi and, yeah. or whatever but anyway in that context though like i think about fandoms the Star Trek fandom is so damn old, right? It like goes yes. back to like the 1960s. As, I mean, Doctor Who is very similar, but Doctor Who's fandom is kind of different because I feel like it kind of is tied almost to a national cultural heritage. Like Very much so with Doctor Who, yes. And I hope that doesn't like over-assign that to you. Um, <laughs> like you no, might not be a, you know, a huge fan of Doctor Who, but... I mean, I like Doctor Who. It's, it's, it's you know, like you, you don't really have a choice when you're from the UK. You either grow up hide, hiding behind the sofa or you, you, don't, you just don't watch it. So, and that's like I, a cultural I, reference that like is made. Like everyone is hidden behind the sofa from the Daleks. And you're like, okay, yeah. I got it. Like, the so, sea demons for me. Whew. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's Those interesting. Those little discs on their yeah. hands. Scary. Yeah, that's creepy. Um, <laughs> but that to me, like Star Trek is different in that like it was always a show that was designed for people who found themselves to feel intellectual and willing to challenge the norms of the, the present day, etc. It's always ta- tried to dabble into philosophical debate in some way and so it invites argument it invites a sort of uh culture of deliberative eh, 
eh, back and forth and clash. Debate. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Debate, except I'm trying not to use it, I guess, because um, I teach debate and then I feel like I'm lecturing at you. But yeah, I mean, debate, right? Like the, it, it inspires a sense of healthy debate. And that means that you also get people who are not necessarily great at debating, not great at yeah. having difference, who show up and want to have it their way. And in some ways, like I think the Ghostbusters community, um, we joke about how there's a lot of people who want to deny one movie over another or to try and gatekeep or control what's going on. But I think that that's so much less true of our franchise than it is of something like Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Star Trek, yeah. It's... Yeah. I'm a Lower Decks fan. I don't know if you like Lower Decks. Um, but I love, oh, And Strange New Worlds, which pe- seem to be the two that really upset people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I was like, oh, let's see what other people think about this episode. And like, well, no, let's turn the computer off and step away. <laughs> and never talk to anyone ever again. But it's, um, it is kind of interesting, right? Like what you're talking about in a way is like varying differences between audiences, right? And mm. And a sort of strange thing that like fandoms, um, they're not universal. Like people want to feel included in everything that a franchise does. And yeah. And that's why like it becomes like, well, is this or isn't this part of my fandom or can I define this as being outside my fandom because you like it and I don't. So I don't know, like, I guess. Do you do you feel that as an artist? Is that part of the challenge of sort of maintaining an audience is like having to carve out like a particular version of Ghostbusters that everyone will like? Or do you instead say, I'm going to make a version of Ghostbusters that I like. And if you like it too, come support it. Yeah, it's something I've definitely thought about because people are like, are you going to do anything with like the video game equipment? And I'm like, Ghostbusters, the video game came out. I know there's been a remaster, but like. Over 10 years ago now. Oh, yeah. It was and 2009 and we're in 2023. So that's like. Yeah, s- it's like some, it's, it's like s- some crazy amount of years that I can't do in my head. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I, I draw pictures. I don't do numbers. Uh, the, so like that's a barrier to entry for new people. So all the people that have come on with Afterlife, I don't want them to think like, well, I haven't played this video game from, you know, uh, two generations back. And I don't know what you're talking about. So I was right. like, maybe I shouldn't do that. And like, cause I do want it to be for everyone, but I also want it to be, you know, I want it to be consistent with the world that the movies put out and the video game does kind of mess with that a little bit. So like, yeah. Um, I also kind of, at one point I was like, I don't want to do real Ghostbusters because it's too silly and everything goes out the window, which now having written free Ghostbusters books, I'm like, please let me do real Ghostbusters because <laughs> There's so much, so many rules with Ghostbusters. I'm enjoying your October real Ghostbusters story a lot. So thank I, you. I, I am making up as I go. So that, I'm enjoying <laughs> it as well. It's lots of fun. Uh, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything about that story for anybody, but, uh, there was a, a panel of Peter Venkman waking up next to an alarm clock that made <laughs> me smile so much i was so happy to see it and i'm if if you're wondering what it is folks out there listening this is only a reason why you're going to need to go over to richie's discord uh which you know we'll make sure we tell you about by the end of the episode of where to get it but if how do you get to it how do you get to a discord if you don't have discord installed is it like a url i don't know (laughs) i think it is just a url yeah 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 so 
but um you've got your whole october project over there on your discord and if folks have not seen it like you should totally go check it out because it is a real ghostbusters story that's unfolding one panel or one page a day it's not even like here's one image it's like here's a whole page of comic book um and it's beautifully drawn that's amazing i love it thank you um so i can't wait to see the rest of it as it unfolds but sort of coming back to this audience question like part of the reason i asked you this is because when you say that the hard part is the money right i look at that as sort of like okay that's the hard part because that's about generating the revenue but is that because the hard part is audience like is it because you have to build that audience you have to build that reach yes yeah kind of kind of yeah I mean, I've always kind of like maintained that, you know, I make no money off the comic itself. Like the ones that are sold, you know, it right. covers the, the print in and well, doesn't even cover the print in, to be honest. But like, I just want it to be out there for people to have and to enjoy. So um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of like, I need to reach out and meet more people and get more people excited about it. And I'm always trying to talk about it. If you see me on any of the other discords, I'm like, hey, have you heard about this fresh new comic experience? <laughs> like oh and when people ask questions like what happened to the pink slime i'm like well if you read issue three yeah that's awesome you've got to be peter vankman all the time sometimes um, that's how i kind of come at it yeah i think about this because it's like as somebody who's self-publishing you kind of have to put your name out there and get yourself established and at this mm. point like you've done that pretty successfully i mean people know who you are um, without question in the fandom. And that's something where yeah. the minute anybody says your name, they can whip out pieces of artwork that they bought. And that's, I think that's awesome. But, but I, I just think that that's one of those things that I feel is hard to accomplish. And I wonder for you, like, what do you think has been the most useful or valuable in kind of building out your community? Is it, is it discord? Is it like social media? What do you think is that you leverage best to be able to kind of create a community around your art? I mean, it's probably the discord. That is where most people who buy the comic end up. Okay. And then, you know, they talk about it there. But, like, social media in general is, it's, in, it's invaluable. You know, it's, it's the only way I get to do this is because I post about it and people see it and go, oh, yeah, no, I'll check that out. And that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, no matter how much I shout about it on Spirits Unleashed, nobody's clicking any links there so it's all <laughs> i am i am <laughs> I mean, yeah i mean like in the actual game it's like go read this comic oh no that, 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 is, that is funny um you're like put people in the trap on team speaking like by the way um go and find my discord right now P pause your I, game i like to do it when i get the angry people who are very angry at me and they're like <laughs> you, you idiot and i'm like by the way you can now read <laughs> Which makes them angrier, but they know where they can buy my comic. <laughs> you mentioned Patreon comic earlier, right? Yes. So you're making use of Patreon on a regular basis and putting out content. Yeah, there? yeah. Pa Patreon is, you know, you can sign up for a, for a dollar. Um, that's all I ask, and you get basically everything, unless you want like t-shirts or like actual physical copies of the comic right. sent to you. You can read everything on the Patreon for a dollar. Um, there will be a color version of the. October comic going up on Patreon at some point. I'm in talks oh, with nice. colorist right now. So, cause I do want to do that. Um, and yeah, and hopefully also go to print as well. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the Patreon is, is also, you know, invaluable, you know, it's paying the bills while I churn these things out. Right. I, cause part of the reason I brought this up about like, how do you build a community or what's the most, most effective thing is that, um, I think that for independent publishing folks and like 
self self-taught folks, the folks who are out there doing sort of making and creating as independents, there's a necessity to like embrace these models like Patreon. Like I was thinking about this recently that what does what does the world look like for an artist say, and you might be able to reflect on this, 10 years ago, right? As an independent artist trying to figure out your revenue models versus now where you actually have platforms that are explicitly set up for you mm-hmm. to say, I have a, I'm building a cultivating a following and a community of people who enjoy my art and who are willing to sort of participate in that community every, every month, but for us, for a nominal fee, like how has that changed things for you? Or has it changed things for you? Like how have those tools kind of influenced or changed the way that the independent artist and the self-published artist operates? So sort of like, well, it's been more than 10 years ago now. But sort of like about 15, 20 years ago, I did an online webcomic because that was the year of the webcomic when sort of like Penny Arcade and all that sort of stuff were, right. were, were kicking off. I did a Ghostbusters webcomic called Ghostbusters Apocalypse, um, which ran for years. Yeah. And yeah. it's sadly lost because the website died because right. social media took over and killed websites. Um, and that was that was pretty much the way you did it. And I had like a Facebook set up as like a side thing, but people generally congregated on the website and then everyone kind of moved over to Facebook and I had to restart and was just posting like just doodles of, of like Ghostbusters stuff and occasionally posting it in like the, the, the GB fans forum and, and that sort of thing. It's kind of gone from that to forums to Facebook. And it was, it was a nightmare because there was no real way, unless you wanted to put something together and go on Kickstarter, which was just starting up as well. Right. Right. Like, that was that was the only way you could do it. There was no real ways of monetizing anything. Patreon was starting up, but it was mainly for like porn and that sort of thing. So you didn't really want to get close to that. And you, uh, it was like, oh god, um, only slime. <laughs> people have asked. I'm not gonna. Uh, but um, and it was also like print on demand t-shirt sites like Spreadshirt, Redbubble, kicking off, and you did stuff that way and you had to fight like this looks kind of like a ghostbusters logo we're taking this down like damn right. okay re-upload it and then do it that way but yeah it's it's a lot easier now where i can just go go here look like etsy is great uh, right. i have a lot of problems with etsy but as a sort of like a, a shop platform it's fantastic and because i think yeah i think that's an interesting thing to consider about like how you've also got these new sort of e-platforms for um, for selling product, right? That like Etsy mm. is one that you can think of, but I mean, there's others. There's like, you can, I mean, think about Tee Public, the things you can produce as a designer and have somebody else churn out, you know, that you don't necessarily have to physically produce. But I just, I don't know. I think that's kind of a fascinating thing to consider that the, for those folks out there now, and you know, especially for you as a self-publishing artist, that there's a big element of this. It's about creating community. Right. It's about yes. not just like, hey, I, I'm going to go out and put my art out there and hopefully somebody sees my bumper sticker that I made and they buy it out in the world. But rather that you have developed an audience of people who come back to you who are looking at what your work does over and over and over again, because they are not just looking at you as, oh, this is a Ghostbusters comic I like. But this is a content creator and an artist whose work and pu- works I appreciate over time. And so that's my way of trying to give you a compliment of saying, like, you've done good at that. Um, Thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> it's hard work, but I think I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. But I think that to me is what I admire in looking at what you've built out is that 
I mean, I joked about it at the beginning of how many people can wave around commissions, but it's because you've you've cultivated a long term audience where people think about you as one of the members of the Ghostbusters fandom who's out there as a content creator who's producing things and who's not just, a you know, oh, there's a guy who's around us who also creates and draws cool art, but rather, no, like this is a content creator and a storyteller within our sort of fan universe. And so I think that's very cool. Um, and I just I hope Thank that you. you take it. I hope you take in how cool that is, <laughs> because it's, it's sometimes amazing. it's, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm, I'm living on like 75 pence rice a week. It's like it's hard to take in and you're hard to like appreciate, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is like it is great. Um, the the community has been great to me. It's been very kind to me. Um, I've I've seen other people try and do similar things and not get it and not you know not appreciate it, and it kind of then it comes back to bite them. Um, yeah, you know I think that the if you type in Ghostbusters webcomic, you'll you'll find hundreds of failed attempts where people just didn't vibe with it and that sort of stuff. Right. And then, then it's, so I'm very, very lucky because that could have easily happened to me. I think that to some extent it has to do with authenticity. To me, like you come across as an individual who's um, very passionate about not just making their art and not just getting paid for it, but, but creating relationships with people. And there's a level of authenticity to that that you know, is almost required if you're going to do what you do and not to be like, I'm going to make more analogies to stand up comedy that I don't do, but I look at podcasting, not for me, cause I'm not out doing this as a tour or something, but podcasting in so many ways for so many different stand up comics is about creating a, an ongoing audience who are then going to show up when you go to a city, right? Like there's mm. how many different stand up comics out there who have free discords and free podcasts and free this and free that because it's what allows them to cultivate a community around their work. And then when it's time to actually go show up in, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, you've got your sort of built in audience base who are going to come out also not because like, Oh, let's go see a comedy show because a comic, but let's go see this person who we feel like we have an authentic kind of parasocial relationship with. And I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like what is parasocial relationship? Like, is it real? Is it not? Because people now form more, far, far more meaningful relationships with say a podcaster, an artist, uh, a a Twitch streamer who they talk to, they send messages back to, and they have interactions back and forth versus a talk show host from, you know, 20 years ago. Obviously, if you thought you were talking to David Letterman, you thought he was talking to you, then you needed to go talk to somebody for help. Yes. Yes, you need help. But I, so I think that's part of what I find fascinating about you is that I have found you in so many places over time, right? Like I, any group I could go into, if it was a discord, if it was GB fans, these different places, Oh, there's Richie crypt, (laughs) right? Because you've done a great job of kind of going out. And as much as you're joking about selling art while putting people in the trap in a video game, like you have kind of created this. You need to do it, but you also have done it in a way that is palatable. Like people don't go, oh, is that guy trying to sell me art? <laughs> yeah. Well, right? the, the thing is, it's like we talking about we, we were talking about sort of like Spirits Unleashed earlier. Uh, and I get three types of people in that game when I play. I get the people that hate me because they've seen me online <laughs> and they think I'm, I'm something else. And I think everyone gets that. Um, and then I get the people that just want to talk to me about Ghostbusters. 
And yeah. so like they'll follow me around. They won't play the game. They're just like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What's your opinion on this? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch this ghost, please. <laughs> Throw a trap. Um, and That's then, so funny. <laughs> and and then I get the people who who want to try and impress me and just, just stomp me into the ground. I'm like, yeah, cool. This is great. Thanks so much. So much fun. Um, but yeah, that's 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 why I love the bounty system now because uh, <laughs> I don't have to deal with it. But yeah, but people at the end of the day, they want to talk about Ghostbusters. They want to have conversations about Ghostbusters. And, you know, everyone's got their Ghostbusters story. Oh, I went to see it in this cinema and it's shut down now. Right. And then, oh, when I was a kid, I had this toy. And like, I think those are all as equally valid as anything I've got to say. And like these part of people's lives, um, which is kind of something I wanted to tap into with, with, with issue three. It's like, well, if you lived in a world where the Ghostbusters existed, you would probably have like very clear opinions on if you liked them or you didn't. But <laughs> if you lived in New York around about that time, you would probably have a Ghostbusters story. Yeah. And issue three is all like people telling their version of a Ghostbusters. If they've and worked that, with the that's Ghostbusters. That's something strange, right? Issue that's three something, something strange. strange. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is and, on, um, your Etsy, on your Etsy shop now, I believe. Yeah. It's on the Etsy so. and the Patreon. Um, I also managed to work in that horrible scene where, where Peter lets a ghost out just to mess with someone from the, I think it was in the original (laughs) script and got cut and then ended up in the novelization. (laughs) But yeah, I was like, I I worked that in. (laughs) The closest we we got to that in the movie is that's okay. We can just put him right back in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. What happens when they do that? You know? Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's very cool that you're you are this engaged with the fan community, and I mean, obviously, as an artist, you kind of have to be. But I would say that not every Ghostbusters artist out there is routinely involved in you know these different mm. forums and different discussions. They're putting out art and they're building their their platform on their on their social media, which is fine. It's not like judgmental or anything. But I appreciate sort of on the one hand, it's a bit of a hustle. On the other hand. It's not hustle like bad. I mean, like working hard. Yeah, um, you, you and, gotta. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, like you're hustling people with your art. You're telling them you're sending them <laughs> original prints, original art, and then you're sending them like photocopies of old WoW comics or now comics yeah, or whatever like, that's called. Prime Evil. Who's he? Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be really screwed up if people got commissions <laughs> from you and then you just sent them a bunch of filmation Ghostbusters stuff. <laughs> <laughs> be a good April Fool's joke. Why am um, I with this gorilla? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I admire the fact that you're out there as an active member of sort of Ghostbusters fan discourse, you know, and, and a good, and a good member of it. That's what I'm getting at, I guess. Is that, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, even if I wasn't doing the art, I'd still be there. Right. But the, but the fact that like, that's commendable at first to begin with, like you're a good fan. Way to go. <laughs> right? Like you. you're a good, awesome, a inclusive on on Santa's good li- No, no badges. We are opposed no. to ghost we are opposed to Ghostbusters badges on this show and believe it is the worst thing that Spirit Halloween has ever created. It's oh the, god, yeah. The, the no, ghost yeah, I know badge. What you mean. Yes. Um <laughs> and once yeah. again, to those of you who wear ghost badges, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like even IDW took a shot at that. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, don't make Ghostbusters cops. You know, like, yeah, we, have no. enough, we have enough problems with, like, policing and police culture 
in our world that I don't need to add that political scenario to my ghost busting enjoyment. <laughs> just, just leave yeah. the cops out of ghost busting. <laughs> just very awkward. <laughs> like, I know Dan's yeah. sheriff and all that sort of stuff, but like, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't think Ray would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either. I, I, I don't. I, I definitely don't think Vankman would be given a badge to do much of anything. <laughs> just, no, you should not <laughs> give him authority or any type of power. <laughs> if you. If you gave him authority, it might actually cause him to go insane because he might have to just fight himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was my big issue with um, the return. I don't know if you read the return. The, uh, the Shelly Fish novel. Where oh, I Venkman know. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever made it all the way through that. But like Venkman running for mayor. Why? <laughs> he was, that man does not want any more red tape. Why would he do that? No. Like that's it makes no sense. It never made sense to me that that was like a plot point is like Venkman's campaigning to be the mayor of New York City. What's the end goal of that? Like, yeah, like, if he was, it would just be so he could try to sleep with more women based off of how he's portrayed at the beginning of the first Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, so, it's just. Ugh. Yeah, that would be weird. Um, again, this is one of those moments where I point out oddities about Peter Venkman and then remind everybody that I'm Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Venkmaniac on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> I showed Ghostbusters to a to a friend for the first time last night, and there were moments where I was just like, oh, is this going to is this going to go down well? Oh, right. <laughs> things have changed. The Thorazine scene, the, uh, yeah. the whole let's see if we can try and sleep with co-eds part. These are things not that have just not aged well. So Don't do that. There's probably at some point like a, a bonus episode of Extraplasm that's just called Peter Venkman is a bad man. And yeah, just do a supercut. Put hours it on TikTok. Of, there you go. <laughs> right. There's two <laughs> hours of all the things that Peter Venkman does over the course of the entire Ghostbusters franchise that maybe are potentially dubious and make him not such a great guy. And when people go, why are you a Venk maniac then? Because Spangler maniac is way longer yeah, um, and doesn't yeah. have a pun to it. So, you know, I would have to be like Spanglerific or, um, I don't know, Spangleronies. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Outstancing <laughs> something. <laughs> Outstancing. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. That's great. Um, yeah, you, you, you could be the Zach Morris's bad of Ghostbusters. <laughs> wow. That's actually could be a thing. If I don't make that, somebody's gonna. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said it. Damn. Should, I should do you that. You should have kept that. That's, that should be yours. You better get to work on video production now. Oh, damn. You know, Pete Venkman is bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really fun idea. Um, I don't know if Ghost Corps would think it was a really fun idea. <laughs> no, I think they try and like, oh, smooth that over. Oh, you married her, it's fine. Um, Next Ghostbusters, that's 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 where Peter Venkman, where Bill Murray finally gets his wish, and Peter Venkman is killed off in a Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> like, all right, we got we got a liability issue now. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Make him a ghost. Get rid of him. <laughs> the optics ain't great. Put him under a bus. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um. Well, I want to make sure we're, I would do want to talk about spirits unleashed with you for a few minutes, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do want to sort of make sure that we talk about, you know, where your stuff is before we forget to talk about it. We'll plug it at the end. I'm sure again, too. But um, people can find your Instagram and stuff. You're Richie Crypt, R-I-C-H-I-C-R-Y-P-T, right? On, that's it. Uh, Instagram and on uh, X, right? You're still there, I think. Yeah, still on X. <laughs> 
Not sure for how long, but we'll see. Yeah, we all feel that way, don't we? We're all like, I don't know if I'm going to be moving out of this place, maybe moving on to somewhere else or just hunkering down the other places I exist. But um, how do they find you on Discord? Because people should go check out that October stuff. So the Discord server is a public server, so you should be able to search it. You should be able to be able to type in Richie Cripps Art Dojo. I think that's what it's called. Oh, Crypts it Art Dojo. That. Yeah. So you should be able to find it that way. Um, if not, if you find me on uh, Etsy, uh, sorry, Instagram or Twitter or anything, there is a link tree and it's, the link is in there. So you can just click on that and get straight to it. I feel old when I talk about Discord because even though I use it, I ask weird questions like, how do you find a Discord? <laughs> I'm always invited to them, right? So yeah, it's same. like, I tell somebody else how to get to it. How do they get there? But yeah, you're the best, easiest way to probably get there is go to linktr.ee slash Richie Crypt. Cause that's yeah, we'll I have all everything on there. Yeah. So, um, and I suggest people go do that because like you have some really great stories that you're telling over there. And the other thing I have to say about your discord, that's very cool. You don't just have your stuff over there. Like you've created a cult and cultivated a space for like discussion of all kinds of Ghostbusters related stuff. It's a whole community of, you know, people talking about different topics. You've got sections on Spirits Unleashed. And I love the fact that you essentially have provided like a forum for other artists to, to share their stuff, too. Well, yeah, because that's that's where I came up. Right. And that's what I think is really cool is like you've created a cultivated a space for other artists to kind of network and to get their stuff seen. So it's like when you go into your discord you look around and you've got other stuff in there, like an art channel that has some of your art in it, but then it's also got stuff that other people have been working on and kind of promoting and publishing. So it's a really cool thing. If you're an artist in the Ghostbusters community and you want a good forum to be able to go and like share your work with, with other artists, like go and take a look at Richie's discord because like that yeah. is, seems to be a great place to find like-minded folks who are working on very similar stuff um, and who are very, have a, a pretty respectful set of norms like it doesn't seem like you're cultivating a group of people over there who are like oh this is where i come to go find what i'm gonna go and uh crop and put in my instagram posts and claim is mine <laughs> yeah no i, I don't i don't stand for that <laughs> it's kind of like you know it was the thing when i was in the band that you didn't steal riffs right or if you did you did it in a way that no one would notice um so like if i ever see that stuff i'm like no i'm not standing for that you're gonna get a swift kick i think it's cool that you're creating that creative space for people to collab and kind of, you know, get to know each other. It's like, it's like throwing punk shows, right? Like you well, gotta that's, get that's kind of the mentality I want, you know? Like, yeah. You got to yeah. get all the other bands in your neighborhood or the other bands in your city to kind of come along and have a good showcase. If you're going to do, uh, you know, a random punk show at a bar, or if you're going to go on tour, you need to get enough other smaller acts who you can kind of come along with along the way to figure out how to put together shows. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. It's really neat. I'd, and I think it's kind of unique. I don't really know, you know, like there's things like deviant art that are out there that are much more broad, but this is far more intimate and kind of just a cool well, space, you know? That's the thing. It's like, and, and there's stuff on there as well. Even if you're not good at art, but you want to get good at art, there's places yeah. on there where you can go and you can post like art that you think sucks. And there's so many professional artists in there. Like, um, I'm not going to name drop, but like some of them joined today and I was like, whoa, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, huh. um, but like, they're going to reach out and they're going to help you. And they're yeah. going to say, you need to do this. You need, if, if it's not me, it'll be someone else. And that's kind of like, that's what happened in the punk scene as well. It's like, well, right. you know, your drums, your drums sound bad. If you do this, 
mm-hmm. it's going to sound better, and you're going to and a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, that's kind I'd, of like how I live. It reminds me of my friends growing up. They were folks who like started out recording things on four track recorders in their bedrooms, and over time they would trade tapes with each other, and then one guy would go, "Oh, hey, you know what you could do to make that sound better is you could change the way you're mixing things," and then. That guy goes off and becomes Pro Tools engineer who's trained and yeah. says, hey, I have access to a studio as a Pro Tools setup. Do you want to come over and maybe do a demo? And over time, all of these people who I knew who were making music either, you know, increased their skills as musicians and increased their reach and became far more better at what they were doing. Or even it was just the guy who was doing the engineering work who was mixing. He went from being a guy who was using four tracks to trying to make a recording studio in his parents' basement in the 1990s using bad equipment and Windows 95 to, you know, oh, a Pro yeah. Tools setup to now, hilariously, GarageBand, what we need Pro Tools for. But, like, the the funny part to me about that is it's all people who were willing to not be competitive with each other about, my band is better than yours. But instead, people who were willing to be like, hey, if we all came together and figured out how to pull resources if we all can share one drum set for this show, it means that we don't have to change it out. We can get more bands in whatever it is, right? Like it's that kind of stuff. And so I really admire that. I think it's really cool what you're doing with it. And that's why I really want people to go check it out. You bringing that up, that reminds me of something that a lot of people don't think that way. And the amount of conversations I've had with people who are like, Oh man, John Jacob is ripping you off. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's my friend. <laughs> right. We probably, you know, it's like, I don't feel that at all. And I know John doesn't. And it's the same, like, oh, people feel like that we have to be competitive and warring with each other. It's like, no, I love Medici no. and I love John. And, you know, that, that October, oh my God, like anything I've done has been blown out of the water by those guys. So it's just like, whoa, I wasn't expecting an OVA and I am still screaming from the rooftops about it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. John, John's, uh, October project kind of, uh, came out a little bit differently than he expected because I don't know if you're sure if you heard the episode where he was on here a few yeah. weeks ago, his computer just literally five minutes into the podcast that just went, I will do no longer. I, I'm done. I refuse to Ugh. do anything. And all of his art, everything was on it. And so the fact that you're seeing everything he's putting out now is still amazing because he lost access to so much for a whole bunch of time. Like he didn't, couldn't get at his art. It was just, it, it's, which is, I mean, people still have not seen it. Like you need to see that. Yeah. Go and check I out Johnny Capus from, from Ghost Corpse or whoever's, you know, doing stuff now, see that and go, okay, people like this. We should, you know, I mean, they've reached out to him before with T-shirts and that sort of stuff for Afterlife. But like, you know, the, the fandom is here. We're making stuff. And if, if they don't want to make stuff, we're just going to make it anyway. So right. like, that seems to be the, the DIY ethos at this point is like, we would like to see the things we want to see. If you can't seem to make them, then we just may make them <laughs> like and that's, yeah, we'll and so far. So far, it's been kind of a, an, a productive dynamic. You know, I'm always worried about like, will anyone get in trouble for the things they're making or creating? and Will we always have friendly uh, folks at the inside that proverbial yes. fake firehouse, or could we potentially get more litigious folks who sit at desks in that firehouse? But for now, things it's certainly good. something I've worried about. I mean, they've they've always been sort of like very very nice to me um, when the, the brief times we've spoken. But like, I I know that Ghost Corps and Sony don't make comics, but Dark Horse does. Right. So 
when that comes out, will they suddenly be like, hang on, you can't be doing all these things that we can't do. Right. It could happen. We don't know. Could happen. We'll see. It could, but I'll, I'm going to wait until I actually see a Dark Horse book before I worry about it. <laughs> Same. Same. I saw that art they put out and I was like, okay, here we go. We're rolling and nothing yet. So and Nothing yet. So, um, you know, that's why I feel like this year, like 2023 is the year of the Ghostbusters video games. It's just yes. like by the end of the year, it's like we are spirits unleashing. We got the VR thing coming. Um, it's going to be exciting. So this is probably a good point for us to kind of talk about Spirits Unleashed, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've been into this game since it came out. I know that you have been one of the people who I've seen out there, like in the Spirits Unleashed discord at certain points in a league discord at one point. This is something that I've seen you champion since it came out. And I know a lot of people who've played it. I play it regularly like it's a daily affair for me. And I admit it. Um, somebody recently said, how many hours of that do you actually played? They were like, people were screenshotting like, oh, I have this many, this many. And I like highlighted my little box in Epic games. And it was something like, I don't know, like 1000 hours. That's <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but, I'm, I'm fast approaching 2k. So I, yeah, need to I mean, it's been, it's probably <laughs> getting closer to that for me since, and I probably need to touch more grass, but, um, I had, I really enjoy this game. I also have admittedly had love hate moments with this game um, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but i personally i'm really digging the new dlc i wonder what you thought about it because the new the I new downloadable it. content really is changing this game after a year in ways that i think are good it is like a whole new game um yeah it's it's fantastic um and it's a whole new sort of step because of course i recommend this game to people and then they come to buy my stream and watch me play it. And I'm, I'm going up against like level 500 people and it's like chaotic <laughs> and they can't tell what's going on. And meanwhile, I'm going, yeah, that's no, pretty chill. It's pretty chill time. Uh, you know, you should get in. It's fun. And it's not when people see it, but this <laughs> takes, this takes away that barrier. Now, you know, you're not going to go online and get stomped by somebody who's been playing 2000 hours. You can, you know, warm up against bots and still feel like a ghostbuster. Right. Yeah, I that's think ultimately what this game is about is feeling like a Ghostbuster. It definitely yeah. achieves that. Well, for me, sometimes it's about feeling like a ghost. I admit. Um, I, but I, yes, yeah, it's so much fun. It is so much fun, and it forces you to think about um, the maps and everything a little bit differently to try and outsmart the Ghostbusters and kind of hide in different places. And, and I, I will straight strategic. up get on that microphone and tell them I'm in a room that I'm not. <laughs> And watch them all run to the theater on the boat. And I'm like, yep, no, he's in the theater. I need help. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it works. I, I have to say that I've probably at certain points been a person who played music over TeamSpeak. And at one point, <laughs> I might have figured out that a dirty trick to use was to just adjust my volume on the music on my PC. Because that way it made it seem like the ghost were, the ghost was far further away from you. Yeah, because it's all because- like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's not, he's not here. Like all the team speak is proximity based. Mm. So if you could just dial down your volume as you're talking, then it's See, this the is, person this is, think they got further away from you. This is sneaky strats <laughs> that you get in. This is not your standard playstyle. No, this is not. This is some some. I just tricked you. I I, I mind gamed you. Um, 
and this is the kind of stuff that playing as a ghost for too long causes you mm. to do. You're like, well, I've run out of all the ways that I can utilize starfish in this environment. What should I do next? <laughs> Although, uh, have you played Sam Hain yet? I have, and he can't possess anything, so that changes no, the dynamic. No, it's very tricky. But you can set starfish to be homing bombs. Yes. So you yes. can just launch them at people, which and is a lot of fun. For folks who have been playing this game, uh, the big changes here, if you haven't seen this already in the DLC, the DLC adds two new maps, which bravo to Ilphonic, because typically the thing is like, we get one new map, we play through it like 10 times, and like, okay, I guess I'll wait for the next DLC. <laughs> because yeah, you, you're like, all right, I've seen the map. But two new maps additional story that was added to the game, which I figured it would just be like, oh, they're going to do like some Sam Hain voice thing and it'll be like Cat and Eddie like talking to them. No, they got Ernie Hudson back in. They got Dan Aykroyd back in. They actually like had more story to tell us with our characters that we love doing the actual dialogue and they connected it all back to the first like story from last year such that it didn't feel like, oh, it's a different episode, but like, no, this makes the entire game feel like it's growing as an ecosystem as a story yeah. as opposed to just like oh here's a little episodic thing that's entirely different from last year's right and so um and beyond that there's just like there's character slots now one of my biggest gripes about this game for the whole time has been like you can't save your character so if you wanted to make modifications to your customizations or something you just lose whatever you've got now you've got four slots i mean there's just so many great things they added to this that i'm excited about yeah, and it, it does feel like a whole new game. What do you think? Like, what's the best thing about the DLC for you? Because I'm sitting here stealing all of the things and talking about how I love them all. No, no, it's, it's great. Um, the story is great. There's there's some lovely Easter eggs down in that sub-basement that I really enjoyed seeing and was kind of like, there you go. That's what you all asked for so much and cried about for so long, and it's finally there, <laughs> so shut up. Um, and... It, it's it's just so much fun to walk through your firehouse now and see Eduardo. I've I've got like the extreme Ghostbusters as my sort of like other characters. Just see him hanging gotcha. out. Just see him slacking <laughs> off when he should be sweeping. And you know it, it, that's so much fun. It really brings it up because ultimately, when I play it and me and my crew, it will just turn into us talking about Ghostbusters. Right. And we will all just end up hanging out in the firehouse. Talking about Ghostbusters for hours. The firehouse is like an interactive chat room. It's like that Sony whatever thing it did on the PS3 when the Ghostbusters game came out. Do you remember that? I didn't have but, a PS3, so I never saw that. I was a PC player of that game, which means I never had an online experience. Really? Yeah, which is oh, part of why I, I think that's part of why <laughs> I, I love Spirits Unleashed so much is because I could play Ghostbusters, the video game by myself, and I loved that game. But as a PC gamer, we never got the multiplayer that everybody else got yeah. on console. So I never got to do any of the like, let's team up and go bust ghosts. And so for me, like Spirits Unleashed is really the first opportunity I've ever had to do that at home. You know, you've like, never had Dan Ankroyd scream at you about his bread basket repeatedly. No, that's I've that's not. What I mean, I've heard, him, I've heard him yell about other things like metal some little yarpers. But that's, you know, <laughs> that's a thing that's in the storyline. But. I, um, I think that's part of the reason I dig the game so much is that it's, and in some ways, like, I think that if I had played the original one, the multiplayer, I might have more negative views of the game. Cause I think some people are like, it's not like the old game. And I'm like, no, it's not, but I couldn't no, play it online before. 
Um, so this yeah. is like my first opportunity really. I don't even do other online gaming. Like I don't, there's no other games that I'm like, Oh, are you a call of duty person? Are you? No, I don't play Fortnite. I don't play any of these other games, but you gave me the opportunity to bust ghosts from my house. So sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> like when people come in the stream and be like, Oh, what do you stream? And I'm like, ghostbusters. Right. <laughs> and they're like, which one? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> I have a redeem where if you spend like 5,000 stream points, I will play the master system version <laughs> just to torment you with that lovely eight bit rendition that repeats. Hey, if um, you do that, no, you can play the new version though. That has Winston in it. There's yes. That, oh no. That the master system version was before that. It was the, right. like the David Crane one, but yeah, the Mega oh, Drive oh, version. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, sorry. That's or the Genesis version. Sorry, we call yeah, no, it Mega I, Drive here. Oh, yeah. I know, I knew what you meant, but I was thinking I, when you said, "I don't know why I thought the Master System one." I got it confused with the Sega Genesis one. But what you're talking about, the David Crane one, is the one that was out for the NES. It was also out for the Atari. So it was like yes. they made several different ports of that. That's the one with, for folks who were like, "What are you talking about?" The Zool Building game, everybody. The game yeah. with the Zool Building. <laughs> the Master System version is like the definitive version of that. Game oh yes, where, you know, it is. It's yeah, way better. So much better. Yep, but it's uh, like a yeah. far more far better version of that. Um, but that's that's funny though because it's like that's a context that many of us didn't play that. That's we didn't. Master System mm. wasn't huge in the U.S. It was far bigger. In no, Europe I guess not. Here. Yeah, it was NES, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. kind of funny. It's similarly, it's like, ah, you never really had the chance to, to, or you had the chance to play Famicom or NES games. Sure. Right. But like, we never had the chance to play this other game. So for us getting, you know, Ghostbusters two from for the NES, which was terrible, was well, such a big deal. <laughs> the thing is the NES didn't hit here until late 1989, yeah. Right. So, and you couldn't go like you couldn't go into Toys R Us and buy it. You had to go into Boots, which was a drugstore, right? And like spend three hundred pounds, which in nineteen ninety money was was stupid, right? And no one, no one got it. No one had it. None of my yep. friends had it as a kid. We were Sega kids, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't pick one up until sort of like much later when they were at boot sales or yard sales <laughs> or that sort of thing. Um. So yeah. But I mean, I've got it now and I've got like all the, the European exclusive How Labs, Ghostbusters 2, right. all that sort of stuff. That's but, the best um, game for it. That's that so much ever. fun. But I think it's kind of funny. Generationally, it's kind of like you have, I didn't have that online gaming experience on the PS3. And so the way I view Spirits Unleashed is way different. For those of you like growing up with the Master System game is like your predominant thing. Your view of Ghostbusters games has to be like entirely different when you start interacting with the other ones. You know, it's just. I don't yeah. know. It's kind of fun to think about, but I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about um, what they're doing with the story in this game? Like we can with this. Let's be let's be fair for a second. We'll probably drop some spoilers in here about the, the story of the video game um, for folks who are going to if you haven't if you're listening to this and you're really worried about uh, having the video game story spoiled for you, like maybe fast forward through this section, you know, but I'm, I'm OK with talking I think, about it. I think are. Jason's got it up on GB News if you want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of why I'm OK with talking about it, because generally Ilphonic takes the story and they just put it up on YouTube. They did last time, too, because I think yeah. they know that as soon as the game gets reviewed by anybody, they're going to post a review of this. Yeah. They're going to post so a story. If they, so, if they don't do it, someone's going to do it. Yeah. So if you don't if you don't want to know if you're like, I'm spoiler free on video games and movies, <laughs> then be cautious <laughs> about the next few minutes. But what yes. do you think about what they're doing with this story, like where and what they did to kind of take the last episode and bring it into this one. I think it's great because sort of like it kind of 
just just embraces Ghostbusters. Like, not even... Because when the game first came out, I was kind of, well, that doesn't work because that doesn't work with the the lore and that's not how that equipment works and blah, blah. And, and as the game's gone on and all these extra DLCs come out and all these extra plugins, it's like, well, it doesn't matter now because you can have real Ghostbusters interact with 2016 and all this kind of crazy stuff. So to just have them go, okay, Sam Haynes here. He was in the real Ghostbusters, we know. You know, the movie Ghostbusters never fought him, but it doesn't matter because it's fun. And right. that I love that. And I feel like that Sam Hain class, where you don't have to worry about possessing stuff and well, you do possess stuff, but you know, you don't go into the items and it doesn't turn mm-hmm. into like a prop hunt type of game. I feel like that archetype of a character, you know, if you want to do DLC, you want to do paid DLC and give me a boogeyman, you can just like have it as a skin. That right. works with that character, right? Yeah. You can now do so much. I mean, Ilphonic are no, you know, they're not lazy. I don't think they will do that, but they could. <laughs> I'm just excited, so excited about it. I want to be playing it now. I think that what they've done is good because Bug Eye Ghost kind of brought us like a ghost that was not real Ghostbusters-ish, but it was like a toy from our childhoods, right? So it was yeah. like, and it's kind of like the same way he was an Easter egg in Afterlife. You could have argued that he was in the video game because he's in Afterlife and the video game takes place after Afterlife, which is why Munter's in the video game, etc. But by doing this, by kind of going back to stuff from the narrative canon from the video from the cartoons, it does open up like such a vast world of different potential ghosts or different trap mechanisms and other things that can be done. Um, and by trap mechanisms, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about out there, there is these ways for you to summon ghosts who then like can either mob the Ghostbusters while you run away or as a ghost uh, or like many ghosts who can hop on a Ghostbusters head and essentially like try to suffocate them by like sitting yeah. on top of their head and sliming them to death until you get them off. Um, or the most recent one is that Sam Hain has the ability to create a glowing orb and suspend a Ghostbuster or a civilian in the air. So they're just like flailing in the air until they can try and break the bubble to get out. Right. And so these, by creating all these new mechanisms, they're really extending out the gameplay. Like, I think that the problem that a lot of us had was like, we felt like the gameplay was getting repetitive and yeah, this changes that so much because it now is like a character, a game, a ghost that plays entirely differently, you know? Yeah, Exactly. And like, I feel like a lot of people in the community were complaining about the run meta, which mm-hmm. for those that don't know, is like, you could basically fight a ghost until the very last rift was gone and the ghost would be like, see ya, and jump into a tiny object and just hide or run right. away the entire time. Um, where Sam Hain can't do that and he has to go toe to toe with you. That's like right. a whole new skill ceiling that the kids hopefully are going to want to be like, well, I want to be good with this guy. I have to get good at fighting and holding my own against these Ghostbusters. Right. And yeah. So like it's, it's changed the game completely. Yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. And I know that I'm going to, I will say this. I know at certain points in this podcast, I have been, Oh, I don't know. Just a tad critical (laughs) about this game. I've been a little bit, you know, at points like I love this game, but here's everything that's wrong with it. And I have to say that I walked away from my first night with the new DLC and I was thrilled. My only complaint was I had a couple crashes 
on my system, but one of them was totally because I turned on HDR and apparently that pushes too much power through my GPU and then causes my uh-huh. power supply to go click and turn off. And I went, oh, apparently we need a <laughs> new power supply. We're we're exceeding capacity here. Uh, this c- computer is completely inadequate for our power needs. And the neighborhood's like a demilitarized <laughs> zone. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think. Oh, yes. But beyond that, it's like I've had a couple random, you know, oh, I crashed or oh, I got dropped out to the menu for some reason that are they'll get fixed. Those will be quality of life things that'll get quick fixed yeah. pretty quickly. But what I was so excited about is that this was probably the first DLC I felt like I got that didn't get accompanied by game breaking glitch. Like yes. everything that I've been complaining about is game breaking glitches suddenly was fixed. And I went, Oh, this is the game I've been waiting for, for like a year. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Which kind of worries me a little bit because like, is that the sign that this is the end? Cause they were like, you're going to get four DLCs. They never said oh, anything I, after that. I, I don't, I mean, I think that there'll still be content that will get us through the next movie. I think there's I a hint, so. there's a hint in the storyline uh, that people have been kind of talking about that if you pay attention to what Dan Aykroyd's character, why did I, Ray Stance, that's his, this is what happens to me. They, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd and Ray Stance, Who is Dan Aykroyd? Dan, Dan yeah. <laughs> Aykroyd and Ray Stance have combined into one human being for me at one point, at this point in my life, named like Dan Stanceroid. Um, but so when <laughs> Dan Stanceroid is talking, yes, you can do your Dan Stanceroids. <laughs> oh, God. oh boy. We just went there, didn't we? In the storyline, yeah. in the storyline, when his character says um that he has a, that there's gonna be an intern arriving soon. Right, it's the end of the mission. Like you finished the mission, you've defeated Sam Hain, and in the final moments of this particular story episode, we hear that Ray has an intern who's arriving soon. Right. So to me, I went, "Oh, that means we're going to get more DLC, and yeah. we're going to get more story DLC. We're not just going to get like here's a ghost, here's a level, but potentially we're going to get more story DLC." And I've seen people suggest like Phoebe's coming. But then somebody else I saw write podcasts coming. And I went, yep. yeah, I, I think when he said that, I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, those, podcast. Yeah, it's like, that's going to be podcast comes to the firehouse. It totally makes sense. It won't be yeah. Phoebe for whatever reason. Like, we're not going to get the Spangler kids in the video game. That's probably well, they, they too, do say. You know, they do say the Spanglers are coming to visit. So that's maybe. true. Maybe. So like we're going to get some interpretation of that. But that's the part that I got excited about is I went, oh, I've been waiting for more story to this game for a a long time. Like we got an opening 20 minutes or whatever it was, the 20 minutes of gameplay that is functionally story at a tutorial from a year ago. And now what I really want is to be able to add more nuance and depth to this because when John, your cable was on the show, like last year, we talked about this. He was like, it's kind of like if the real ghostbusters episodes could be a video game. Right. And then we didn't get any more story for like a year. We didn't get any more story development. We just got like, here's another ghost and here's another level, you know? So I hope we get more story because I think it's good. But yeah, definitely. And and yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. You know, and Ilphonic, if you're listening and you need someone to write it, um, I'm available. You know, I've I've (laughs) said it to them a few times, actually. (laughs) They've, they've got the comics. They've read them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see more people we know kind of get involved with uh, content creation for a video game like that, because the deeper we can go into the lore of Ghostbusters, 
like the more you can keep that game running. Like there's no yeah. shortage of different ghosts. Like I want, I want a toilet ghost. I, I totally do. Yeah. I want to get like a fearsome flush. You want, you in that a fearsome game. flush. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could be entirely like a ghost class of plumbing ghosts that all had different like <laughs> water or sewage based attacks. I'd be fine with that. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's I um I think there's so much you can do with it, and the community is always going to be there because we played. You know, I know people who bought an Xbox 360 to play just Ghostbusters the video game. We played yeah. that game for like 15 years. Right. People are still playing it. So the community is always going to support it if they do. I will say this in these terms, like this is a way for me to articulate my viewpoint shift on this game. A while back, I said, I don't, as much as I like this game, I don't imagine that there will ever be some remastered edition that we come back to 10 years from now and be like, oh, this was Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and now I can buy it in a collector's edition box and that's great. Because even though we would all buy it, because we're all Ghostbusters fans who buy everything that's made into collector's yeah. edition. It's got the just, logo on it. I have like, to have it. <laughs> my view at the time was just that the game doesn't have sufficient uptake and repeated interaction and content to make it have that nostalgic value to it. And after playing through the DLC and then doing some matches, both playing as Sam Hain and against Sam Hain. I was like, this is finally a thing where I'm like, I feel like I, it would be a shame if this were to go away before yes. it was like, before it was like, if it were to go away, that would suck. But I also would understand market forces and things. And so I would go, yep, it's just another game. Like many other licensed games that people ask about whether or not it's dead within 18 months. <laughs> right. Like, and that's yeah. just kind of how it is. And now if you ask me how, like now I'm like, no, like you got it. This is a thing that's, really has so much more longevity possibility to it than say a one-off game about um you know not to be like because i know these are these are ilphonic properties and i'm not trying to pigeonhole them but it's like there's been complaints about like the friday the 13th game like just kind of got done yeah, you know yeah. or like the evil dead game just kind of done and so those things do happen you watch franchise ips and arrangements and like licenses fizzle out and you just see these games that a lot of all you know love and passion for the content creators who are making this stuff just go away and so i like the new dlc I, i'll on the record it's amazing it. and there is a, a boss fight map that we I, I love and i know we were talking about it before we came on but like more of that can you imagine like doing uh, i keep bringing up the boogeyman because he's like the easiest sort of like one to kind of like equate sure. to sam hayne level but like can you imagine like the boogeyman's realm yeah. Like with like the MC Escher style geometry and everything like that. Or, fighting ghosts in that. Or what yes. about what about a um a boss fight against Sandman where he just keeps putting your Ghostbusters to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> you have to go over and shake him, wake him up. Yeah, yeah. You have to like keep reviving your Ghostbusters because he keeps putting him into a dream realm and he can't eventually like you start the battle in one place and then you get transported into that dream realm full of all kinds of twisted Ghostbusters stuff. Like, or even, even like other stuff where it's like a horde mode, just off the top of my head, you have like a horde yeah. mode and be like, oh, there's a leak in the containment unit. We have to go into the containment unit. Right. And, you know, do whatever you want. Hey, like, to you be know. fair, they made that suit. That's one of the, That's what like, I was one, of the, one of the pieces of content they made for us is that like now, if you want to put on the suit that Egon wears and Xmas marks the spot, when he goes into the containment unit and shows us that it's full of lots and lots of rocks, 
Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, you know, you could even even do the one. I can't remember. I think it is the uh, the one where um, that get real was based on, where they go into the containment unit and it's just cables. Yeah, and there's like ghosts hanging out among cables. Like, do that <laughs> zero G cable land. Yeah, I'd play that right. But I mean, that's what I think is so cool is that they illustrated to us that they can do so much more with this engine than we're, we were aware of, I think. Mm. Like that, at least at least that I was aware of. I'll put it in those terms, right? Like I've yes, definitely. I've been thinking about this as, oh, they can create ghost characters that fly around and they all kind of have the same mechanics in flying and movement. And they all each have a special and they each have a unique ability. But, you know, in terms of the physics of the game, there's not really much difference between each of these ghosts other than the different strategies they can employ. Giving us an entirely new class that changes the gameplay for a ghost. They can't possess things, but they can do things like like one of the coolest things that he can do that Sam Haynes class his overlord class can do is this catalyst thing, right? That he can like essentially create another rift. So yeah. if you're a person like I admit, one of my favorite ways to play right now is a ghost. I don't hide the rifts anymore. I pick them up and I move them around throughout the entire match. So I will put two of them in each room that I can because it makes the haunt go up faster and make sure all of the minions come out quick so you can get to eight minions real fast if you have two rifts open at the same time so i'll open two rifts in a room and then defend both of them right and well yeah now as sam hain i can open a fourth right and so it's like i looked at that and i went oh this totally changes the rift gameplay because now you can have the ghostbusters working on destroying a rift and they think that they're getting close and meanwhile you have a room that's got another rift in it and then you spawn the catalyst and boom, that room is now haunted in two seconds. Like it changes yeah. the strategy of everything it's, of how you can insane. play as a ghost. And I, I feel like they knew this was coming. Yeah. Because I, I saw um, Albert, who is their community manager. He started when he's been playing. Uh, you can watch him on stream. He streams it, uh, I think, every Wednesday for them. Yeah. And he will put all three rifts in a room, open them up, and yep. he's unstoppable. <laughs> because yep. you can't move for drudges rifts you know people get knocked over because now he's playing interference doing that with sam hayne you are you're just bullying people at that point it's like <laughs> it's unfair especially with a fourth what i've found is fun about it though is that you can leave the rift behind and then go spawn they, they think they've got a rift they're gonna be able to oh we got it we got it we finally fought this rift we're finally gonna blow it up and you leave them when the rift is like down to 10%. You go to another room and you spawn a catalyst. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, they've oh. accomplished nothing. Right. And so this will be the balancing issue that people get upset about potentially with Sam Hain about. Oh, maybe, I've already you know, seen it. I've already, already seen, seen people complain. And it takes, <laughs> to be fair, it has a two minute cooldown time. So it's not like you could do it over and over again. But yeah. Um, I was definitely in a match last night against the guy, though, who had us going for eight minutes and he managed to get three catalysts out in the match. And I was like, oh, this is rough, man. <laughs> this, this is this is something I don't think we're going to win. And we didn't. Yeah, no, that's hard work. <laughs> that is hard work. But, but uh, I, I think it's great. The gameplay is really changing, you know, so. And plus, like, we're both like in our 40s. So yeah. to hear us. And we've seen it all, and I don't know about you, but I'm pretty bitter and jaded. So for me yeah. to be like giddy like a kid and be like, Sam Hain, he can right. put you in a bubble. And like, yeah, yeah, it's like I I am often a cynic and I have no problem being like if you listen to last week's episode, people know that I got a little bit sad about Hasbro, right? Like I 
I have my moments of, of being kind of like, you know, sad about things or sort of seeing the cynicism and things. But the things this week that made me smile like harder than anything else were playing that game and sort of like fighting against Sam Hain and then playing as Sam Hain and doing all this new weird stuff. The other thing I was considering about this is that and I'm going to go probably do this after you and I are done because I'm going to it's my new strategy to try out for the day. There's not been a reason to respawn as a different ghost in this game. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. if there has been, it's been, I'm losing as my current ghost. I'm going to try and switch it up. But now there actually is. Because you could start the match as, say, Slimer, get caught, respawn as Sam Hain, regenerate your rift. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> or start as him generate a fourth rift and then switch switch to a more agile ghost who can hide inside things right like you know go as pokey and then just snipe people as they try and get your rift right and it's it's completely changed this game that we all you know we've all put thousands of hours in and we're like yeah it's great i'm loving it but and now it's like i'm excited to play again what do you think is your favorite new thing and doesn't have to be from this dlc but over the last year since you've been there since the beginning what is your Mm. favorite thing they've introduced to this game like overall all the real ghostbusters stuff because the fact that we're like i mean real ghostbusters ended in 1990 yeah you know it's like we're 30 years out and we're getting new real ghostbusters stuff we we got screaming heroes in this (laughs) update like (laughs) like that to me is like, because I'd kind of gone to the point with the real Ghostbusters where I was like, oh, God. Yes, yeah, okay, it's great it's for kids. The first two seasons are great, but everything else, no. Um, right. But like, and now I'm like, oh, my God, I love real Ghostbusters. I've, it's completely rekindled everything. So, oh, yeah, you know, it's great to go into a game and see four Egons. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how you played as a kid. It's like, no, I want to be Egon. No, I'm Egon. So well, we'll all be Egon. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just like that childhood joy comes back with the real Ghostbusters stuff and seeing them do it so well, they didn't have to like get that trap to look exactly like it does in the cartoon. Right. Because like having recently like studied the real Ghostbusters a lot and cause to do the comic of, I've, I've been like going through cells and everything like that. None of that is done with a ruler. That is all done by some Japanese artist who's like just doing it quickly to get it out and get it in on time. <laughs> So the fact they went in and they fixed that geometry and everything like that shows that there's a genuine love for the franchise. Yeah. And no, it's I, exciting to see. And it's infectious. I've said this since the very beginning, even when I have been frustrated about things like, you know, a game breaking trap mechanic or, uh, you know, like uh, the fact that I can't block people who sometimes harass me until I have to change my screen name and my avatar because I can't yeah. safely be Vank Maniac necessarily inside of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed without getting harassed. Um, Same. Yeah. I, you've I been through this too a little either. bit. You, you, yeah, you can't be Vank Maniac either. <laughs> I can't um, be Vank Maniac <laughs> But um, there are those things that I've been frustrated with at points. But the, but the two things that I can say, but without question, I have been so thrilled with the design of this game. Like at every, every turn, I'm like, every ghost looks great. Like that Slimer looks great. And I've said this a bunch and I'll just keep saying it. That pizza restaurant is phenomenal. I love so, that pizza oh restaurant. God, so much fun. <laughs> I love it. I love the new DLCs bowling alley too. 
Like, and the subway station as a person who grew up in New York, I'm like, spot on. Well, all that's missing here is the MTA logos. Like, but <laughs> when I walked into that laser tag arena on that new map, I could smell the fog machine, like right? the gunk they used to pour in the fog machines and need laser tag. I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is excellent. Like there's, I have a serious like attaboy to give to like the folks who are doing the production and, uh, you know, the artwork and design. I think it's Jared Garrett Garrettson, I believe is the person who's like the, the lead designer on this. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not just him. I know that there's like, you know, husband and wife team who've done the writing on this. It's Elise Williams, right? Is her name. Who's uh, one of the writers on this? I believe yes. is her name. There it goes. I, it's in my brain somewhere. The work they've done on creating this world is phenomenal. That isn't to put down on the programmers who are working on the mechanics and things and not like, Hey, you guys are the reason why it was bad. Um, I just like, there's, that's the part that's, you've got to make work. You've got to play test. You got to actually like manipulating code and one end of it ruins something else. And it's yeah, kind of, it's the push and pull you know, of design. Right. And it's different than the character designs and you know, the artwork stuff. But I have to say throughout all of this, the art style has been something I've so appreciated and thought like, rides the line between animated and not like it is not photorealistic, but it also doesn't feel like I'm playing a hardline cartoon. If that makes sense. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a stylized reality in a way, you know, and I, I, I certainly really feel like it. this, the whole game kind of rides that tone, right? Because yeah. there's stuff in there that like, if you were an outsider looking, you'd be like, oh, it looks like Ghostbusters Fortnite and it looks very kiddie. Sometimes. Yes. Right. But then you get deeper into it and you start reading the articles and realizing there's like stuff about cannibalism in there and like <laughs> right. ships full of corpses. And you're like, whoa, this is a lot. You know, it kind of yeah. does that that Ghostbusters tone very well. And I commend right. them. And at a design level, there's just such attention to detail. Like that's what I, that pizza restaurant. The reason I keep coming back to it is that like I'm pizza obsessed. Everybody who knows listens to this podcast knows that like I make my own pizza dough from scratch, like in cold fermented dough for three days. And like, that's, I'm a nut cool. job when it comes to pizza. That's what I did with the pandemic. I went, I can't get New York style pizza in California. I'm a New Yorker. This has to be somewhere inside of me. Let's find it. And so I went off to YouTube to teach myself how to make pizza. Like a person does in a pizza restaurant in New York. And mm. I have this crazed appreciation for all kinds of pizza making tools and pizza ovens and weird stuff. Now, when I go to a pizza restaurant, I'm like noticing what they're using and to look at that design of that level when they did it in the last DLC, I went, someone did a lot of reference work. Like somebody yeah. sat down and was like, what is it a pizza kitchen anyway? Like, what are the things that have to be in there? What does an oven have to look like? How, what, where would you hang the pizza peels? Right. It's just like, and I just looked at it and went, how much reference work is going into designing our environments? Right. So, yeah, which you don't even think about. And if you think, if you look at the game, there's like three different versions of that as the haunt grows. Yeah. Because like you go into it at first and the pizza ovens are off and everyone's fine. You go into it a little bit later on when the haunt's picked up and it's like, you know, it's a completely different vibe, but it's slightly slimy. It's okay. You go in there when the haunt is full and it's like, you've got hellfire coming out of the ovens. It's like right. the lighting has completely changed. And it's fantastic. So much work into it. Went into and it's it. like, and I, yeah, nobody talks about that. <laughs> no, that's like, I mean, that's the part where like we talk about, oh, this isn't working. This is broken. This is like, this is unfair. Who's cheating? Like that's what gets talked about in like 
that, and this is not to put down on the Spirits Unleashed Discord or the League Discord or anybody else's Discord, but like that is a lot of the content. Like if you go yeah. into the, the GBSUL Discord, there's somebody there every day going, ah, oh, someone was cheating. Someone broke out of the trap twice. And that means that they're using secret codes and they have nuclear weapons and they should be banned from the game. <laughs> and you're like, or the game just has some glitches over the last year because things are glitchy and they're being worked out. And that's what I'm so excited about. Those mechanics are kind of taken care of. But we that's not what you hear talked about. What you don't hear talked about is that the labor of love that was put into, you know, making sure that uh, the carpet looked like something authentic from in the laser tag environments. Right. Or yeah. that it's just like that's the stuff that we or the bowling alley section of that level blew my mind. Right. It was just like, oh, my God, I feel like I walked into some sort of like glow bowling complex in like Boston or something that I've been to. Yeah. It was just like. Yeah. And that's and to be fair, like the Queen Mary is basically the basis for that cruise ship level. Right. That's the ship. Yeah, that's in right Long Beach, down California. to the. I didn't know it was as accurate as it was until yeah. Ellie, who is on the new slate path, was like, no, I've been there. Here's a photo right. of me on that. And I was like, wow, that is that is just well, the that's level. right. Because that's 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 a game player, Californian Ellie. I would track yes. because the Queen Mary is here in California because I've seen it. And when I went to the level, I was like, oh, God, we're inside of a real boat. This is weird. Yeah. Right? But yeah. Um, shout out to California Nelly, um, who I've encountered in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed before. Yeah. Yeah. She's a doll. She's great. She's she's um, leading the new slave puffed. So. That's awesome. Um, congratulations to them, because I think they just won the third season of. Yes. That season three. That's, that's the second season that Slave Puffed have won. Yeah, I don't know what I don't I don't know the current status of the Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed League, but I know that the last season of it that happened was they were the winning team. So congrats. But you can um, also buy Slay Puff stickers in the shop. There you go. Like, so. (laughs) So what do you hope for next? I guess like that's a way to sort of put a put a pin in our discussion about Spirits Unleashed maybe is what are you looking for them to do next? We said we said maybe like um, Boogeyman right as a ghost. But yeah, yeah. What else could you want out of Spirits Unleashed that you don't have now other than Boogeyman and, say, a boss battle? Darts. Darts? Darts. They've, they've spoken about it. Like, darts was supposed to be... A, you, sh- you were supposed to be able to play darts in the firehouse. You were supposed <laughs> to shoot the game, and it never happened. I've um, never heard this. <laughs> really? Uh, they were talking about no. it on one of the streams. And I was like, that's what I want. I want darts. I want Jump Ghost. I want that pinball machine to be what, because like there's assets in there for it. It looks yeah. like it's all going to move. Like, and as I said earlier, it usually descends into just a chat room where we hang out and talk about Ghostbusters. So right. if I can play pinball while I'm complaining about whatever I'm complaining about that week in Ghostbusters, then that, that's what I want. Somewhere I can actually just hang out. If, if I could sh- film a podcast in that firehouse where we're all sitting in chairs and like, <laughs> That's what I want. I don't know. You basically, you're like, make the firehouse second life. Right? Yeah, basically. that's what I want. Let me role play in there. <laughs> I love that. Let me keep a high score on, on Jump Ghost and let me, you know. I, I got really excited because one of the video games, one of those arcade machines became something you could interact with in the last yes. DLC. But what it turns out that all it's in it is like high scores for some other game. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, that sucks. The high scores for the arcade again. Yeah. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, finally. Oh. <laughs> you know. I, I want them to work out the license rights to get me Q-Bird. 
as I really oh. want Qbert because the Qbert is not in the original Firehouse from the movie, but it is. No. It is in the Ghostbusters video game Firehouse. Like well, it was one supposed of the to be playable in that, wasn't it? But I like, think so. I just ran out of time. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, told. give me Qbert. But yeah, I'm also wondering if we will start to see like um, real world advertising in that game. Like, remember how the original um, like I wouldn't surprise like, me at a revenue generator, yeah. but like the yeah, original Ghostbusters game had like Doritos in it. Right. Yeah. And then when they did the remastered, they had to replace all that artwork with like generic chip bags or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they had to remodel Ecto-1 and this like very subtle things that you just I was like, oh, I didn't realize that until somebody made a mod that reverts it all. Right. So I was like, oh, I, I didn't even realize that had changed. That's cool. But, but that's yeah. what that's what tells you. That's what shows you all that attention, the detail that exists. And I like that. Like when my answer, my question for you is like, what major thing do you want to see? And you're like, give me more ghost busting around the firehouse. Give me more nuance and detail and like a, a little experience yeah. that I can have as opposed to I even need another massive level or a new feature, or a new this, etc. But I do like the idea. I think going inside the containment unit like that, give that's mm. attributable to you. That's your idea. Like, Thank you. I. I like that idea. That's something I would love to see. So, um, well, anything which else? Is, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say, which which is like something you could totally do in that world now, because like the way I write the containment unit is kind of like in line with with the stuff in the movies, where it's kind of boring and it's probably just a bunch of capacitors behind a wall. But like, in Spirits Unleashed and the real Ghostbusters, it's this whole other dimension. Like, yeah. That. Why not? Yeah. It would be great. I would love. We got to a pool in the sub basement now. Let me let me use it as yeah. a Stargate. Send yeah. to some other, other dimensions. Yeah, just don't turn on the HDR first because you might blow out your PSU no. as soon as Sam Hain shows up. That's exactly what it happened. Oh, I, like, really? Yeah, oh, I, was doing, I was doing the narrative. <laughs> I was doing the narrative and Sam Hain appeared and he was like about to consume Nameless's you know, soul out of the bottle and he had his hands out and all of a sudden my computer just went click and turned off and I was like, oh, he broke he my computer. my power supply. <laughs> There's a paranormal event in my office. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Oh, th th <laughs> this has been a lot of fun to chat with you, Richie. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with folks? Anything else that they should go check out? Um, obviously, they should go check out Richie Crypt on Instagram, on X. Yeah. They should go check out the Discord via the link tree. Anything else you want to p tell people out there to be aware of or know about, et cetera? Um, but it's, the, the real Ghostbusters coming from the Discord. I'm hopefully going to be able to get that printed and have that as a physical thing that people can buy, but we'll see just lots of moving parts with that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, just keep an eye on that. There will be new, the issue four is in the works um, of something strange. And it's going to touch on stuff that we've only sort of tangentially heard of in Ghostbusters, but is a very big part of the world because of that. Right. So that's going to be fun. Some new stuff that the Ghostbusters have to go against. And yeah, it's it's all coming. Just, you know, stick with me. Well, I did not provide a lot of spoilers about your stories because I want everyone to go check them out. Um, so oh, thank you. I appreciate I it. At a certain point when you're done with October, I will pick your brain about different things in your story that I liked and thought were cool. Other than the fact that there's a really fun alarm clock scene that really tickled my funny bone um, and <laughs> is worth the price of free admission alone, everybody. Um, so, yes. you know. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and everything you do uh, out there. 
I appreciate all the work you've done for like people for commissions and things. Is that a, still a thing that you're, that you're, are you still doing commissions if people want to do? I'm still doing commissions. Yeah. The commission that, that never ends. I always say that like, I want everyone to have the chance to be a ghostbuster. I keep the prices low for that reason. Um, hit me up. I will get back to you at you've some point. Never- October is a nightmare for ghostbusters and ghostbusters sure. stuff. But yeah, I will get back to people eventually. If you're out there and you uh, want to get a Ghostbusters portrait of yourself done by an amazing artist who has a huge love of Ghostbusters and will put all the attention to detail that you could possibly hope into it, you should absolutely reach out to Richie because he does amazing work. And you probably know someone who has a portrait Mm. that he did. (laughs) If you don't, you can probably find them pretty quickly by going to the Internet and asking, does anybody have a Richie Cripp portrait? And they'll 15 people will be like, oh, my God, let me show you this. It's awesome. He did me and my cat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got one of those this week shout out to ecto soul sc steven uh who passed that along <laughs> so oh, nice but anyway i really appreciate you coming on the podcast it was a lot of fun to talk with you and just finally sort of get to know each other a little better one-on-one yeah man. um and please come back and visit us again soon anytime you got something you want to talk about you've project you're working on know that you yeah. can certainly come on back and let us know so thank you for having me it's been great great time Yeah, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, catch you later. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you one more time to Richie Crypt for coming on the show, uh, and especially for making the time to do the show despite the great distance and time difference between the two of us. It's always a bit of a challenge to schedule an episode of Extraplasm because folks are in different places in different contexts, and sometimes we're in different time zones. When we schedule something internationally, it's always the biggest challenge because of how far apart we are and how different the time is, such that one of us is experiencing daytime and one of us is experiencing nighttime. And so, Richie, thank you so much for being flexible uh, and staying up late to help record an episode for everybody to hear this week. I also want to encourage you out there listening that if you have not gone and taken a look at Richie Cripp's artwork before to go over to his link tree to access all of his stuff, you can do so by opening your web browser and going to linktr.ee slash Richie Crypt, R-I-C-H-I-C-R-Y-P-T. That'll give you access to his Discord, his Redbubble store, his Etsy store, uh, his Instagram and YouTube pages. Uh, his Twitch account, every place that you could potentially find Richie, you'll find via his link tree. Please go support him. He he came out to help support Extra Plasm this week. Beyond that, I want to say thank you as usual to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo and visual identity for the podcast uh, and has done so for the last year. Brendan, you're awesome. Uh, and you still have the best sculpted Slimer out there. Don't let Star Ace take nothing from you. I also want to thank Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song each week. And of course, I need to thank you for listening. Uh, Thanks for being awesome supporters of Extraplasm and for tuning in each week. If you have something you want to share with the podcast, something you want to tell me because you're totally stoked and hyped up about what's coming out with the next Ghostbusters products from Hasbro or whatever it is that you want to talk about, reach out to me at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram or X at Extraplasm. And of course, you can now find the podcast on YouTube, Extraplasm Podcast, as well as on Facebook. Uh, So feel free to go and find me in any of those platforms if you want to share something with the podcast, especially if you have an event coming up or if you're in a franchise and you have something you want to help promote. That's what Extra Plasma is here to do. It's help the people in the franchise get heard and to tell their stories. So if that's you, don't hesitate to reach out. The next time you hear from the podcast will actually be Halloween. So until then, watch out for spooks, be safe, and as Ernie Hudson reminds us every week, try to have fun and always. Keep on busting. Take care.